So really what pulled me up was my painting score. <laughs> hey, it's an important part of the hobby. It is. Is it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> is it though? Yeah, it is. Hey, I think I've gotten my painting all the way up to my playing now. <laughs> As someone who's played like one game in the last year, yes. <laughs> See? Fair. <laughs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that has nothing of note to talk about today, I don't think. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, that's right. In the last month since we've recorded, and sorry for the long delay, um, absolutely nothing of consequence has been announced at all, or released, or anything. Um, yeah. Right? It's been, a, it's been a really fallow period. It's kind of, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It makes me it makes it makes me like wonder where like if I should even continue the hobby because like there's just nothing going no, on. You're just saying it makes you wish for two codexes a month. <laughs> I do I do wish famine, that my right? codex had a longer shelf life, but that's a separate thing. <laughs> oh 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 yeah, I feel yeah. for you. <laughs> All right, yeah, I don't think we can keep up this charade any longer. <laughs> um so so yes uh this episode we are actually we we are not doing a lot of our normal segments we don't have uh listener mail we may have hobby progress at the end in a morale phase but uh this is a news and new releases dump because this last month has had a lot of stuff including what was just announced this past Wednesday at Adepticon, uh, which we will be getting to. Obviously, uh, uh, no big secret here. Obviously, the new edition of the game was announced, and our discussion of that and what they have announced about it is going to be our main topic. But first, all the other news and new releases that have been announced, and we're gonna we're gonna wind this back to late February, early March, because again, we haven't we have not been available uh, in those past few weeks. And so going back, uh, one thing that was released was the Wrath of the Soulforge King box set, which introduced us to the brand new Primerisified Azrael and the model for Vashtor the Archifane. Which Vashtor is, uh, he's a model, man. He's, a, I like it. Yeah. Like, I like the, the fusion of mechanical and demon. I think it's really cool. And they, uh, like, they went all out on the, uh, like well, I shouldn't say they went all out because it's it's only like thirty models in the kit, but like they definitely leaned into what his army should look like because they gave us basically the Venom Crawler into uh, a Blitz from back in Shadow Spear and the new Cultist box, and then some Deathwing Terminators, uh, Intercessors, and Azrael. So it's a small force, but uh, but they definitely went all in on the design for Vashtor. So here's a random question. Random answer. Is Vashtor a one-off, or is this a start of a new faction that we might see in a year or two? I don't know. I think it depends on the ends of uh, ends of the. Uh, uh, I think it depends on the ends of this uh, narrative arc they're doing. So I will say there's an army of renown for Vashtor that has been announced released for free. It is a Chaos Space Marine army. So he is as mm. of right now he is 
Chaos Space Marine adjacent, if nothing else. Um, well, but I also know that we've we've had conversations about you know dark dark mechanicus, mechanicus you know being yeah you know parts of it being out there and this unit being out there and this unit being out there. One of the things that could potentially happen with reconfiguring the game and resetting everything, which we'll get to later, is yeah that may be an opening to to create a dark mechanicus or a vashtor like faction and reconfigure some data slates around and make something for the new edition. So I don't know. There's, they could do it. I think if they want to, cause I think there's enough pieces out there for it to be a, uh, its own faction. If they wanted it to be, I mean, heck quite frankly, there's more pieces out there than there is for like world eaters. So, or Voton. This is true. This point. Yeah. So <clears throat> they could, I if they like want to, Voton. I like my world eaters, but I'm just saying they're both, they're both thin on the ground data slate wise. <laughs> Well, so are Harlequins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they did give us a, a special boarding actions, uh, boarding patrol army for Vashtor as well, which can't actually include Vashtor, but it could include people for Vashtor. <laughs> yeah. I will say I do appreciate them putting uh, Vashtor and Azrael's rules up for free as free downloads so that you do you do not have to buy uh, Arcs of Omen Vashtor. Because that is where the rules for those two units are located. Which when mm-hmm. they when I first saw that, I was kind of like, ah, but they promised us we wouldn't need to buy like no one would need to buy those books to use anything outside of boarding patrols. And uh, fortunately, they lived up to that by releasing the rules for free. So kudos to them for that. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate that. I do think, uh, and I have seen multiple takes on this, but I and I have to agree with them. Vashtor himself has pretty much crap rules. He's <laughs> yeah, not very good. He's, he's very interesting. Like it, he's a support character. He's not very strong. He's only like two hundred points, which is like two sixty. The same yeah. two sixty. So it's like, yeah, it, it's he's not he's not on the level of like Abaddon or or Bellicor, which. Yeah, we'll get to. Um, but like, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that he's like not. And, and I guess if you when you read through the Arcs of Omen book, he's much more of like the planner. He's he's, you know, much more of the the he's, he's not as much of like getting in and fighting on the ground. He's much more kind of the planner and the architect. But yeah, his rules kind of suck. <laughs> but that yeah. also will change. So this is also true. <laughs> It just feels like like he has abilities that mess with like other units a little bit. Like he can make a unit like have its attack range or have the moves and attacks of a vehicle, and that's that's not bad. But it's like it feels like he should be far more powerful considering what he does in the fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, in the fiction, doesn't he just get a bunch of allies to do the work for him? <clears throat> yes and no. Um, like in, well, I mean, we'll get to a, I am going to do a recap, <laughs> a very short recap of Arcs of Omen Vashtor, but he does actually get in and like do some direct hand to hand fighting. But like the things are like, like early on, there's like, uh, gosh, it was in Angron when, uh, the Ark of Omen gets like, that is leading that particular attack gets like massively damaged and Vastor just shows up, waves his hands, the whole thing knits back together under his control and he's able yeah. to basically like surf steer it. And it's like he doesn't have any repair abilities, which it seems like he should. Um he doesn't Oh I thought he would, yeah. <clears throat> I th- I figured or 
Um, he should have abilities kind of like Anrakir the Traveler does for Necrons, or at least used to. I don't know if he still does, but it's like you can make I, it's been a long time since I've looked at Anrakir's rules, but it's like <laughs> where you can like target a unit and make them shoot as though they were a friendly unit to him. Like that kind yeah. of stuff would be really cool for Vashtor. I agree. It would have been very cool, but also GW has been trying to get rid of the out of sequence <sighs> stuff in the game. This so is, I understand this is true. Damn it. But yeah, like fluff wise in the, from a pure fluff fiction standpoint, he should absolutely be able to do that. Right. Now he like if you play Cogs of Vashtor, his his army, there's a number of strats, and he can use a couple of them because like he has to be your warlord, and there's two strats that are used that like work around your warlord. So like I think he's better if you roll play him in his army. But mm-hmm. again, it's just like for somebody who is supposed to be a nascent chaos god, he seems really underpowered. Especially compared to, as you said, Bellacore, which is funny because that will come up in a bit. <laughs> right. Well, well that's almost amazing. like it's foreshadowing. He, he doesn't <laughs> have like billions and billions of people like wishing for his birth inadvertently. Yeah, this is well, this and, is true. Well, and I think it's interesting as well. Like it, hmm. it, it does create kind of an interesting opportunity for Games Workshop right now because we're three books into a five book narrative arc about him trying to become a chaos god. We got his book, you know, we got his rules in the second of the the five books or third of the five books. So he's on the path when they reset the rules for 10th edition and he gets new data slates. Maybe he is going to be much more elevated and on the level of demon primarchs because maybe he will have completed his mission or maybe he'll be, you know, failed and be kind of stuck at the same lower state. Like it does create some interesting narrative opportunities for GW to change his rules as we go along yeah so yeah we there definitely can be more done with him later just as of right now he's a neat looking model but that's about as far like he's he's fine but he's not great like especially he doesn't feel like he's what they built him up to be quite yet but as you said it's he's a he is literally a work in progress yeah yeah (laughs) yeah like azrael on the other hand is primaris chapter master I mean, that pretty much covers it. He he is basically himself, but like primarified. He's got really cool wings on his helmet. Well, so do a lot of Dark Angels. That's kind of their thing. One of their yeah. things. If it's not hoods, it's wings. Right. <laughs> uh, I just thought of a joke for later. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> then beyond that, uh, we also had a number of boarding patrols announced. Now, uh, I'm going to run down... The ones that are not that do not contain new models first, uh, because there are some of those that are actually very, you know, kind of interesting. Some interesting decisions were made. Let's we'll start with uh, boarding patrol Eldari, which this one is this one surprised me. Uh, it is Jane Czar and five Banshees, which is cool. And then 20 Corsairs, <laughs> which really threw me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the nice thing on this is um, this is pretty much all new models or new sculpts, I mean. So, right. I mean, the Corsairs, they probably haven't been selling that great. So, here's a way to use them. I still haven't gotten any. I do want them. But right now, with the way the rules are, I don't know how I'd use them on the tabletop. I think they go much better in kill team or even boarding actions. They'd probably be really solid in. And then Jane's Are and the Banshees is still one of the best unit pairs in the game 
Definitely the best uh, band name in the 40K universe. Oh, yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> Jane Turner and the Banshees is the best band name. <laughs> and then there's there's the Drukari Boarding Patrol, which is witches. <laughs> it's witches all the way down. It's Except for the uh, five incubi they threw in there. But uh, a succubus, I think 20 witches, and a unit of incubi. Um, this one's not a bad add-on for, like, the Drukari Combat Patrol, which is, like, all Cabalite, and I think also has uh, Incubi in it. So, I mean, if you wanted... And, like, Incubi are a really good unit, so... Yeah, one of the few units that get armor. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this but seems I will like say- a very melee-heavy um, boarding patrol, and I know in... I'm looking at... Or combat patrol, but I know in boarding patrol, <clears throat> melee seems super strong. So I could yeah. see this being viable for that, as well as, like you said, a good start for pairing it up if you've got a bunch of cabalites already. Right. And uh, I, I generally like the the build for it. And yeah, for boarding patrol, you're, you've got th- a lot of things that are going to break up line of sight. Uh, yeah, I can absolutely see how a close combat army would do very well in that environment. Then we've got uh, Boarding Patrol Grey Knights, which is a unit of Terminators, Strike Squad of 10, which could also be built as Interceptors or Purifiers. And Purifiers would make sense because Castle and Crow is also included. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Another one that would pair very well with their Combat Patrol because it's just more Grey Knight bodies. Right. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty simple model line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's well. It's like it's right up there with Custodes. Like we have two or three kits, and they make everything. And then there's a couple yeah, of yeah. named characters. Uh, and then you have the uh, Necrons boarding patrol, which is interesting because it is one of the few we've seen. And of course, boarding patrols don't require this. It's one of the few we've seen that does not have a character or HQ of any sort. It's ten warriors, ten Lich Guard or Pray or Triarch Praetorians, three Ophidian destroyers, and then like a Canoptic Plasmacite and uh, Scarab swarms. And so it again, very uh, definitely a a leaning more heavily towards uh, close combat than Necrons normally are, but uh, an interesting combination of of units there. You don't see the Ophidians very much, so it was surprising to, mm-hmm. to see them featured yeah. in the box. And the other thing I find interesting about these boarding patrols is, unlike combat patrols, which were always, like, at least before the price increases, always kind of pegged at 140. Like, a combat patrol is 140, and whatever, any, it's, like, fixed at that price. Just kind of like the start collecting boxes were for the longest time, like, fixed to, like, 85 or $95. Instead, these boarding patrols are kind of all over the place, because the Eldari Mm -hmm. and Necron boarding patrols are 130 US. Grey Knights and Drukhari are only 115. Uh, I think the Space Marine one was like 110 when it dropped. Um, the new or the other new boarding patrols like Mechanicus is 140, Tyranids is 130, Demons is 130, Gene Stealer Cults are 125. So, I mean, they're in a general range, but it still seems very all over the place for kind of a quote unquote standardized release. Mm-hmm. Unless yeah, it's very standardized, very like the points you can build out of it rather than the models. And they're just giving you a small discount, not a flat rate on the boxes now. Right. And then there's the two very new 
uh, boarding patrols that were announced and are up for pre-order, and one of them is already sold out. And uh, the two new ones are Tau Empire and uh, Orcs. The Orcs one re- features the return of Boss Snickrot. We are su- we are glad to see there are three different head options for him, depending on how much you want him to be wearing his visor. <laughs> right. His night vision <laughs> visors. Because we were looking at the, the kit yesterday, and because uh, GW did provide us both of these boarding patrols because they do include new characters. And Richard's like, oh, yeah, no, it's got three heads. One where he's got the night vision goggles all the way down. One where he's got it up on his head a bit. And then one without the goggles. So you can do all three if you want. Wait, you could put all three on him at the same time? No, no, not at once. I mean, not at the same time. That would be that would be the most orky thing ever. But <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, would. you could convert it a little bit. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, two Eds is better than one, right? Yeah, well, theoretically, until they start arguing, start crumping each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Snick Rot, 10 commandos, so basically the uh, kill team box. Uh, and that includes their bomb squid and distraction grot. Uh, 10 beast snagaboys and 5 flash gits, which, again, kind of an interesting combination there. A little bit of everything, because you've got ra- flash gits for ranged, uh, commandos for sneaking, and be snag us for just getting up your face and bashing you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's actually a, a pretty good balance. Again, like a lot of the other combat patrols, I'm, I'm just not sold on including the, the character yeah. in a box set like this, where this would make sense to buy a couple. If it didn't also have Snickrod in it. The, this is very well, true. Is, is he generic, air quote, generic enough looking that if you build him with the different options on heads, you can call one just a sergeant commando? No, not really. Okay. I mean, you could theoretically, like, if you were to do conversion with it, you could probably get away with, you know, using the body, his body as, you know, like a commando knob. But And I've never heard it, of an that would take That would take... <laughs> work. Yeah, co- that would take no. conversion work. So uh, I related to that. I and I haven't. I don't think the video is posted yet. But uh, Pete the Wargamer, who is on YouTube, uh, posted in the you know was in the included in the painting community article for the new Snickrot and Farsight models. Um, and his was a conversion where he took Snickrot and converted him into a custom war boss. So like, and it it looks really good. I'm sure the video will probably be coming out on that probably later this week because I think usually it's about a week after when his art, when his uh, kit bashes and stuff drop. But a great YouTube channel, go follow it because he had, does great conversions and stuff. But it it does seem like there is it does uh, it is possible to convert him. But you know I, that's kind of my whole big thing with these combat patrol these boarding patrol boxes too is in my opinion way too many of them include special characters. And that does limit the curb appeal of buying multiples. Right. I guess my point on that is some that are very unique, like you can't really mod Jane El- Jane's R into another Eldar Autark or anything. It just, but I think the way or- orcs are, you can kit bash a named character into somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah. Yeah. Peter Harrison at the very bottom, like, yeah. Converted Snickrod into a custom pain boss. Pain boss. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and it looks, and it looks really good. So it, I think it's possible to convert him, but 
and it's probably more he's probably easier to convert than some of the other ones just because of the nature of orcs but yeah yeah i can see on some of these close-ups where the joints for his arms are so yeah you could like i imagine doing arm swaps for him would not be terribly difficult and yeah so there yeah he would be a bit more convertible than the character in the other boarding patrol the tau empire one because that character is farsight and he has a brand new custom suit yeah and it rocks it looks so good which looks <laughs> awesome yeah it is it is awesome and now that i'm seeing it at different angles it does actually have a tiny little lens on the helmet it's just like from the angle that they've always shown it there's this big like i guess chin block on the sensor head that mm-hmm kind of like make gives it almost a visor effect but yeah the new farsight very dynamically posed and they went all in on the uh the weeb appeal with i mean his base has freaking cherry blossom trees on it i mean yeah they're not even being subtle (laughs) what gw is known for many things subtlety is not one of them I, I wouldn't say that's entirely true. That's what the Horace Heresy line is for. That's where they tend to be more subtle and, and toned sure. down. Sure. But I was just thinking like the whole like, you know, lying around. It's like, uh, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the new model looks great. <laughs> yeah. The new Farsight looks looks fantastic. And yet the way they reworked him, his rules haven't changed at all. Like he doesn't get yep. a new data. Like the the suit doesn't have new rules. They just upgraded his model, which is fine. It it's a it was a model that was still mostly like fine cast. So yeah. I, I don't mind them changing things up a bit. Well, and uh, and, it, and, and that, as we've mentioned before with the Tau, like it totally makes sense that they're one of the factions that hey we're gonna upgrade the model and give him a new version of the suit or a new mark of armor because they're constantly like upgrading their tech unlike other factions <laughs> right and uh that one include is farsight a unit of uh crisis teams and or you know unit crisis suits and a unit of fire warriors so uh either breachers or strike team which for boarding patrol you're going to use breachers because the short range is way better in that regard although i will remark that the boarding action mustering rules for um, do not allow this to be a legal boarding at like boarding army, because uh, in the book, in the arcs of Omen book, that it's a slightly different boarding patrol mustering. It says you can include one farsight or one crisis suit team. So I don't think oh. you could do both. I thought it was. I, I mean, thought it was one of each. Okay, because I'm let me double were let me double check. Because I remember there were specific exceptions of like you can use these. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up too. Because I remember seeing there were specific exceptions for it that you could use them in boarding patrols. But you're right; it may it may be one or the other. But I thought it was I thought it was one of both. You can include one stealth suit farsight or yep, yeah, okay, just one. Yeah, you can include one one stealth battle suit farsight or crisis unit. Okay, yeah, you're right. Which is slightly different than the tau- the downloadable rules say you can include Commander Farsight and then you can include one stealth suit or crisis unit. So the PDF on the website says this would be legal. The book, which should theoretically supersede this, yeah, which it, it would render it illegal. So, oops. I'd go with the website. 
The website was probably well, printed after the book was printed. Technically, the one the PDF that's on the website is still current because the book hasn't officially isn't officially tech- released. Yet. Yeah, it's out for pre-order <laughs> but, right now. Yeah. yeah. But just just FYI, according to the print book, this is not a legal boarding patrol. So I imagine we're going to see day one errata to fix that. Probably. Uh, speaking of the books, let's do a quick recap of what happens and what's included in those two books. Uh, so Arcs of Omen Vashtor is Vashtor basically deciding to personally lead an assault on where the next component, the next critical component of this key that he is building is located. And that happens to be the rock, the remnants of the planet Caliban, which also happens to be where the Dark Angels are posted. And uh, I think effectively rams the uh, void shields around <laughs> around the rock and disrupts them. Yeah, which was something that nobody thought was possible. <laughs> right. But also, like, one thing they do establish in the story is that Vashtor is disconnected from time. Like, he doesn't yeah. perceive time liter- uh, linearly. So he was able to uh, basically go back in time and, like, plant issues. And, and he's done this a couple of times in the story, but basically plant the seeds of mechanical failures later on that would cause a lot of the defenses to start failing at just the right time. So he's using Bill and Ted time travel rules. Pretty much, yeah. It's like, <laughs> man, I wish I had remembered to put this bucket here so it'd fall on my dad's head. Oh, whoa, <laughs> thanks, Pastor. Thanks, future me. <laughs> yeah, it, that's Vastor, basically. And about I want to see a bright. Bill and Ted version of him. <laughs> 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 and, and and yes, he is about as bright because yeah, he leads the uh, <laughs> he leads the assault personally. He's fighting Osrael, who by the way is just coming out of his surgery from crossing the the Rubicon Primaris. So he's still right. like f- he's freshly been upgraded. He's not in prime fighting condition, and Azrael is able to fight him to a standstill. Like they fight to about a tie but even Azrael's like I'm not feeling so good I need and Azrael actually leads a retreat deeper into the (laughs) rock which is really not where you want to fight because that's where the dark angels know things the best and so like they're able to kind of draw out this assault just in time for Bellacore to be an utter bitch (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, Be- oh, chaos. You're going to chaos. Bellacore <laughs> is jealous of the attention. That's a- that's really what it comes down to, is Bellacore just doesn't want Vashtor to succeed more than he does. So he shows up and screws Bellacore, screws Vashtor over by distracting him away from the fight. And uh, several other chapters show up at the rock to help them. And I think Gilliman himself is, is involved. I no, it was uh, it was Tagarius or Tagarius. Tagari- that's right. Yeah. It was the Ultramarines, but Tagarius shows up with one of the Indominus fleets and basically chase off the uh, the Chaos Invaders. And Vastor's like, screw it, foiled again, and, and basically goes to Abaddon and says, "You need to put Bellicor on a leash." To which Abaddon's basically like, uh, you "Not think my problem." I can- <laughs> Come on, yeah, not my yeah. problem. I, I love, I love all of the the little like parts of this where chaos is just being catty little bitches to each other. It's so funny. 
But speaking of catty little bitches, uh, Azrael and the Dark Angels are like, okay, Tigarius, thanks for helping out. Now get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Now get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. By the way, our fleet is now in position, so we will make you leave if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tigarius I, is like, fine, fine. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go. As a as a brief, just unrelated aside, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody made a really good point of like the whole thing with the Dark Angels is the fallen, like the secrets we secretly had traitor elements in our in our legion. We're trying to atone for that. Except now, over the last ten years, they fleshed out the Horus Heresy to the point that every legion had traitor components. So like. The Dark Angels, like, whole thing, like, isn't even unique to them anymore, which I think is so funny that they're still, like, we have a deep, dark secret. It's like, dude, no, everybody, de- like, it's fine, guys. It's fine. Well, <laughs> maybe they, they just want to be, they're the only ones that want to atone for it that seriously. Sure. It's just, it's so funny. It's so edgelordy. And, like, with all of the, you know, everything that's been put out, like, for the Horus Heresy in the last 10 years is just, like, I wouldn't say undercut them, but like just made them look so stupid. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Unrelated aside, just I just love you know. Dark Angel's gonna Dark Angel. It's fine. Yeah, well, and and Vashtor knows the Dark Angels are gonna Dark Angel because he's like, don't worry, Abaddon, I have a cunning plan. <laughs> and his cunning plan is, I'm going to go back in time and plant ideas into all these chaos space marines that have been captured by the Dark Angels, because the Dark Angels are going to uh, interrogate them to find out what's going on and where the Fallen are. It's like, I'll tell them there's a whole bunch of Fallen on this particular planet, and they'll be so incensed that they will they will drive the rock over here, and I'll get another chance to get the thing I need. And so that's yeah. where the Vashtor book leaves off. As far as the boarding patrol rules there, uh, the big thing is it's a it's a campaign that recreates the fighting on the rock, and it is specifically Imperium versus Chaos. So there's not a lot there if you're not doing that particular campaign. I believe it does include the uh, terrain rules for like the Shadow Vault elements. And there are rules for a few armies, because I want to say that's where Nids and Necrons and a couple of other armies yeah. are located. Demons, Necrons, Tyranids, Gene Stealer Colts, Death Guard, and Adeptus Mechanicus are all in this. So book. basically all all the stuff that the like the set of boarding patrols that are already available kind of came along with this book. Mm-hmm. Um I it's one of these books where I like Unless you are re- like, if you like the storyline, it's it's definitely a good pickup because it does move the storyline forward. Um, if you are looking at it for just the boarding patrol rules, and you play one of those factions, it's really hard to justify like a sixty dollar book for two pages because <laughs> that's what each faction yeah. gets, and missions that you can't even really use out. I mean, you could rework them, but they're specifically meant for a a particular campaign. Um, now, moving forward to book four, uh, Arcs of Omen uh, Farsight, which is now available for pre-order. And again, thank you for G- to GW for providing uh, copies for of both Vashnor and Farsight for us to read. Um, the Farsight one is interesting because it barely involves the Imperium. It is mostly mm. a three-way fight between uh, Tau, Orcs, and uh, Chaos. I will say the Death Watch is involved wink but eh. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, it starts off with a fight between Farsight Enclaves and the orcs led by uh, Nazdreg, who has shown up in the story a couple of times before. And this long, uh, long fight, the orcs are apparently trying to develop a weapon, I think, called the Telefragger. <laughs> Yeah, which to is, try to like, which is very completely destroy planets. Yeah, right. I also, I also, just as an aside, I love the fact that these orcs like are like, well, we're tired of getting shot up by the Tau, so we're going to loot Tau technology and we're just going to try to outshoot them ourselves. I want to see somebody convert that orc army up, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, during the story. During that fight, uh, ma- they managed to basically defeat Nazdreg, and they think kill him. It basically like drops him back into the warp, I th- if I remember right, like through a teleporter. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they do something in like his in like yeah, they creates a warp portal, and then the the whole his whole like custom battle wagon and and road crew ensemble like all go through the teleporter. So they're somewhere in the warp. Who knows yep. when or where? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, during the fight, one of the eight, Oblatai Nino, the uh, the broadside suit, who is run by basically a, an engram recording of the original Oblatai, uh, is severely damaged to the point where they don't mm-hmm. even know if they can fully recover his engram. So now we are down to the, se- the seven. Also during the fight, Farsight is fighting a, uh, a warp boy. Yeah. And... Ends up having a vision where he is covered in blood and skulls and wielding an axe. And this bothers him quite a bit, but he doesn't really tell anybody about it yet. So just when I thought Farsight was the single coolest character in 40k, GW has to go and give me that image now. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you're the one that needs to convert Farsight into the corn version. I mean, I got to get the model first, but yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about how I could do it. <laughs> and, and and make a whole towel fall into corn theme where you've got them oh my all God, the in worst melee. melee army ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, corn doesn't care. It's more blood. <laughs> oh, jeez. And so at this point, they discover that they, they want to pursue the orcs, but then they discover that there's a chaos fleet led by the giant space hulk bearing down on them and they're like well we've we we can't fight both of them and first like well we can't let them get to the rest of the empire so uh why don't we fight them here on arthas moloch where i got this this sword and where i really didn't want to ever have to go back nothing bad will come of this nothing bad will come of this at all <laughs> uh this is a completely dead world and so the the chaos forces take the bait and yeah, it ends up being this massive, long-lasting three-way battle of the the orcs, you know, basically kind of trying to draw the orcs and chaos forces to fight each other and also fighting both of them. Uh, during this set of battles, unfortunately, uh, Commander Brightsword, another one of the eight, is killed, basically taking out Chaos Knights. So, so now the eight is down to six. And then Bravestorm is severely injured and has to be put in medical stasis. So now he's down to five and he's it's really starting to bother him. And during this whole time, like he's having doubts in his own abilities and he's having more and more of these visions of himself covered in skulls, 
dripping with blood, wielding a giant axe, fighting what, you know, just like charging into enemies. And he keeps like, nope, nope, this is not me. I don't want this. Don't want this. And finally, a- as this is going on, it also turns out that the Death Watch has been uh, monitoring all this because you've got two Xenos factions fighting and then a Chaos faction fighting. And then it turns out that like half of that Death Watch detachment has been taken over by the Alpha Legion in disguise. As you do. And they finally uh, get their moment because it turns out that the thing that they've been trying to capture is something the Tau notice and they like recognize what it is, but they don't understand the significance of it is they find the wreck of a Dark Angels like fighter that is overgrowing with like dark crystal and the uh, Alpha Legion is like, okay, well now we're going to claim this and take it back to Abaddon and get all the credit and so they do they just basically go in they steal the ship and they leave and at this time like everything's coming down farsight leads everything to kind of like a fighting retreat to this creation or the structure called the star dais which i believe is where he found the sword and his hexagrammatic wards the Mm -hmm. first time he was on arthas moloch and he's like well maybe the the molochites which is how they know them will appear again and yeah it's a bunch of corn demons show up because of all the fighting and all the blood and of course all the blood rain follows and even the tau start getting into hand-to-hand combat by choice which is is not great for them no it's not ideal <laughs> no not ideal uh farsight like the his, his suit has an ai which means he's now basically tony stark because his suit can talk to him and the suit's trying to talk to him and he's just get, get like very very angron moment of the blood pounding in his head and he can't like like i can't really hear the voice anymore i'm i'm, I'm just gonna kind of lose myself in in blood and fighting and uh and now i'm just like i'm gonna have he starts having again visions of of the axe and skulls and blood and he's like i don't even need the rest of the towel i could just fight on my own i'm you know let the strong survive you know it's like if they're worthy to fight on with me they'll survive if not eh, i'll be fine and then at that moment he's like wait a minute Pure Tide, my my mentor, would not have wanted me to act this way. And I know, like, one of my fellow students was uh, Kais, who is the guy from the Fire Warrior game that was on, like, (laughs) PS2 years ago. (laughs) So, Uh, shout out to a shitty game from a while back. Yeah, deep cut there. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I never got why Kais decided to go off and do things on his own. So you know what? No, this is not who I want to be. And he pulls himself back and it's like, nah, we need to we need to leave. We need to get out of here. We should retreat. And I think it's around that time the orcs uh, like Nasdreg shows back up and the uh, they blow up the star dais <laughs> with the, like telefrag is. And then afterwards um they like later on once the fighting has ended and arthur both forces have abandoned like all the forces have abandoned arthas moloch they actually come back with oblatai 10 housed in a drone so he might be <laughs> able to come back he might and they're like so why are we back here he's like well because i just i it's like we need to see like what are the results of all of this and they come back and the star dais has been destroyed and Life is actually starting to return to Arthas Moloch, so most likely that Dark Angel's crystal and craft was keeping the entire planet dead. Yeah. And so things are actually kind of turning around, although, again, I, 
you know, got to pour one out for the eight because it's now at best the five and a half. And <laughs> we don't get well, any new rules for any of them in this book, but yeah. And like the Tau, like technically like succeeded ish in what they were doing, but Vashtor got another part of the key or another component that was needed. So like narratively, right. well, the story's moving weren't forward. Even- yeah. Right, and they weren't even really aware of why the Chaos Forces were there. They're just like, oh, look, it's a bunch of Guela with horns and runes. We should probably not. They're not going to be good guys. I did like at one point, they're they're on the ship and they see that and they're like, well, maybe this isn't bad. We've been able to like negotiate with you know the, the humans before. And Farsight's like, yeah, not the spiky ones, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and also, also at the, uh, during this whole thing, during this entire campaign, Farsight's like, okay, look, we at like just this cadre is not going to be able to hold off against this mu- these many combatants. We need to contact the uh, Tau Empire for for uh, reinforcements <laughs> and sends a message to them. It's like, look, I'll surrender. I'll turn myself in. I know you you want that. You you don't want me in charge. That's fine. I will surrender if you'll just help my people out because we're here to defend the Empire too. And they get back a message from uh, fake Anva because Anva's been dead for a while at this point, but right. nobody knows that. But it gets back a message from holographic Anva basically saying, nah, you can get stuff. The best thing you could do for us is to die where you are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The tower were the good guys in 40k if you're not aware. <laughs> are they? <laughs> I mean, I will say so far, like Farsight's probably one of the most noble characters I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like Farsight is no, probably sure. one of the closest things we have to a full on hero here. Because yeah. he is self-sacrificial, he fights off, you know, corn trying to take him over during like a full-on blood rain. I mean, like he's actually able to pull himself up back from the brink just by remembering his teachings. I mean, he's he's the the good guy in all this. So oh, yeah, for sure. I, I like. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So it is actually nice to see a very clear hero who is even like going through, you know. A crisis of confidence during this whole thing like i i like what they did with farsight in the story so yeah and, and again uh this book has at, has boarding actions for tau asriani and inari drukari harlequins and sororitas so uh I, but i will say this one is a better buy than the vashtor book because not only do you get more boarding action missions but you also get the dark depths rules where each player picks like half of the board and then they put them together out of like eight different possible configurations or eight different half board halves. So you get a whole bunch of potential board setups that don't match anything else, which is cool. Yeah, I do like that part of it because I think that's very that's a way to kind of extend out those boarding actions missions and make them like expand them beyond like the very rigid ones they have in the book. So I, I do like that. Yeah. Uh, and then they have uh, multiplayer missions for doing, you know, for two to four players, which also I really like. And they give examples of like, how would you do it with three players? How would you do it for like if two players, you could just use these missions as are if you're doing three, like somebody gets 
multiple entry zones, but they don't use them all at the same time. Uh, or here's like where all four players would place their stuff. So this one really does expand the boarding actions. And so this book, I think, is a really good buy for anybody who wants to do more boarding action stuff. Okay, I am excited about that because I like the idea of multiplayer boarding actions. Maybe we can try that out when I visit for Midwest. Yeah, for sure. If you have the terrain with you, <laughs> because oh, I'm bringing my terrain. Okay, then yeah, then let's we'll do it. Yeah, we'll absolutely do it. And let's see. So that's our, our recap of those two books. Uh, I know, appreciate or I uh, apologize for the extremely short versions of those, but uh, I mean that really covers the high points on all of them. Uh, and then we've got uh, there was one surprise release and i think everyone was surprised including the guy who got it in the mail <laughs> and, and i again i gotta give gw credit for taking this and rolling with it so there was somebody online who had ordered commander dante the old now fine cast model of commander dante and apparently what they received was not the old commander dante they received a new commander dante and so uh games workshop was like um, well, I guess he just couldn't wait to be deployed. So they revealed the new Commander Dante model because he is also going to cross the Rubicon Primaris, which is pretty impressive considering he's one of the oldest non-dreadnoughted space marines in the uh, in the universe at like 1500 yeah. years old. Yeah, he's super old. There's things I like about the model. I... I know it's a thing for Blood Angels. I really don't. I think that the mask looks really bad on this model. I don't know. I just, I, I've never really been a big fan of the death mask thing anyway. And on this one, I think it looks kind of pretty bad. But otherwise, the model's nice. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind the mask. It actually makes more sense to me on this model than it has in the past. Because it's very clear that it is basically at the front of a standard Space Marine helmet rather than a mm-hmm. Space Marine helmet that has been shaped like someone's head. So I don't yeah, mind it, but I can see why it might be off-putting for some because it does have this just, weird kind of flattened look to it. Yeah, it just creates a weird shape. And especially since mm-hmm. his head's kind of like halfway turned, you can kind of like, I don't know. It really, it's, it's really noticeable, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, though, the model's nice. You got to give him credit, though. This one, no nipples on this, surprisingly. No space, no blood angel nope. nipple marine. No bat nipples. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, very dynamic with his foot barely placed on a piece of terrain, which, boy, that's going to break for somebody. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's like other, like, again, I can see the argument for the death mask, and that's fine. Um, but otherwise, yeah, fantastic model using a souped up version of like the Incursor jetpacks, mm-hmm. but also keeping the basic, you know, it keeps the feel of his original model. Like they even have like a side by side comparison of the two models. A, he's definitely larger because model scaling has changed. But, you know, B, it's not like they've it's like what they've done with the Eldari stuff. It's like this is updated, but it's not wild like it's not a wild redesign like you can definitely see all the through lines of where where it came from and where it is now so i do like what they've done with it yeah for sure 
Now, when he's coming out, we don't know yet, but uh, they have at least shown shown him off now. So now I think all of the main chapters have a have at least one care. Well, Blood Angels already had one with Mephiston, but like a lot of them now actually have their chapter masters or current leaders. I think only Logan Grimnar hasn't been primarified for chapter masters. Yeah, I was about to say the Space Wolf haven't, but But you've got Ragnar Blackbane, but he only leads a group. He only leads uh, one company, so. <laughs> well, and um, Vulcan, Vulcan Heston in the Salamanders, like they upgraded a different character. But right. I don't know is Vulcan is Vulcan a cha- chapter master or is he a captain? Uh, Vulcan, yeah, I think Vulcan. I want to say Vulcan's chapter master. Um, Corax or not Corax? Uh, Shrike has been up. We've got Shrike. Yeah, he's too. he got promoted and then upgraded. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so most of them. Uh, Imperial Fists have a character, but not their chapter master. So true. Although he's in Terminator, but also learn as we'll get to. That's that's not changing. So <laughs> that's yeah. So he he could he could be a Primaris, and we wouldn't even know it. Um, <laughs> and so I think that catches us up to Adepticon, which was this week. And as always, with a large event like this, they'll have a set of reveals. And they had been pushing for a few weeks before that, like this was going to be the biggest reveal they had ever done. Like this is or this was going to be one of their biggest reveals ever. Uh, And so they had been teasing us with imagery, lots of Terminators versus uh, Tyranid imagery and kind of hinting and suggesting that... uh, Maybe it's Space Hulk. Maybe there's a new version of Space Hulk coming out. They even had a drop that like mentioned like a Hulky release coming in this like watch this space. And it's like, oh, they're going to do a Space yeah. Hulk release. Um, spoilers. They did not do a Space Hulk announcement. I mean, it kind of is. It is. But like boarding actions with Space Hulk like a Space Hulk version of boarding actions would have been really cool. That would have been an awesome release. That would have been let's, cool. Let's not lie. But that's not what we got. First off, we got the worst possibly kept secret. <laughs> and that was the lion was announced. Lionel Johnson is back and old, but back. <laughs> they even did yeah. a video like that, like the day before of a sleeping lion and a alarm clock saying it's time to get up. Stop lying around. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're subtle. We, As you said, subtle, GW is many things. But G- GW is many things. Subtle is not one of them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so, yes, they announced that first off, we now know the title of the final Arcs of Omen book. And it is Arcs of Omen, The Lion. And Lionel Johnson is back. And back, that is... And he has an awesome looking model. Yeah, uh, he really does. Yeah. I was going to say, as someone who doesn't even play Dark Angels, I kind of really want this model just to have and paint, even though I have a paint backlog and other things. But man, the model exactly. is so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same way. Well, let's say, like, comparing it to the, the 30K model that Forge World just put out, like, less than a year ago, I think. I think maybe it was announced at Adepticon last year. Um, you can definitely see the lineage. Like you can see that, like, oh, this is just this is the same design cues. This is the same types of things, but like they just modified the armor a little bit. They upgraded this. They upgraded that. And I think that's really cool. I think it's a really cool design through line uh, between the 30k and the 40k model. So just so so we're saying Lehman Ress is next, right? Right. 
I mean, Russ is out there. I think, um, uh, oh gosh, Corvax is, is somewhere in the webway. Like there are a couple other Primarchs that are still unaccounted for somewhere in the, in the universe. Yeah, because Jagatai Khan's still in the webway. Cor- oh, Corvus that's Corax is is somewhere. Uh, Le- uh, Lehman Russ is somewhere. Supposedly in the Eye of Terror. We don't, you know, don't know. Vul- uh, Vulcan's in a in a Necron dungeon being tortured. <laughs> well, and Vulcan's Vulcan is an Eternal. Like that's actually been yeah. established. So Vulcan can't yeah. actually die. Uh, right. So. Uh, also, uh, interesting thing to note is that the lion includes, uh, he is carrying the emperor's shield, which has actually been shown on, on like older artwork of the emperor. So it, it's like, it is consistent with that artwork. So Gulliman mm-hmm. has the emperor's sword and Lionel Johnson has the emperor's shield. And so I'm wondering when we're going to get like the other parts of the emperor's panoply and we can summon him Voltron style. I mean, if I'm the other Primarchs, you got to get in quickly because you do not want to be the last one that's like, look, man, all we got is like his sandals or like his, you know, board shorts. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's it's really one of these like you can already see like the downgrade from sword to shield. Eh, okay, but whoever's next is like, I mean, yeah, what are well, you going to get? Like, okay, this is the think- Emperor's utility belt. <laughs> Well, that's where exactly where I was going because Space Wolves. I mean, you have the belt of rest. The belt of uh, Space Wolves are all about claws and belts, and the Emperor didn't use a claw, so I think Lehman Rest could get the belt of. The I've Emperor. seen artwork of the Emperor with a claw, so that is oh, true. nice. Either way, yeah. Now we also have to remember: <laughs> technically, the Emperor's armor was broken into a whole bunch of tiny fragments and put into every Terminator suit because every Crux Terminatus is supposed to have a shard. Of the so if we just get enough Terminators in play in one place, right. <laughs> which I mean the Dark Angels could definitely pull off. <laughs> but yeah, he he looks awesome. Also, like some details I really appreciate the fact that he has multiple head options and all of them look good. So the every the thing that I, one looks good. The thing that I that I wanted to to mention earlier when we were talking about the helmet for for uh, Farsight. I saw somebody photoshopped the the winged helm of uh, of of uh, Lionel Johnson with the hood on it, so it's just like these bunny ears with like a claw. Hood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the funniest thing I ever saw. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> but no, the helmets look awesome. I, I love the different. Yeah, options. it's like yeah, it's like you can just do him. Like bareheaded, you can do him with wearing a hood. You can do him with the wing helmet, and you can do him with a helmet and hood. So, like, if your entire vibe is "I love hoods on my Dark Angels," yeah, that is a thing you can do, and you can decide lid on or not. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. and his face uh, looks really good. It's nice to see Charles Dance is still getting work. Um, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I mean, let's let's face it. Dark Angels are f- like he is the lion. What's House Lannister's icon? And yeah, they come from the rock. I mean, it's a game yeah. of th- like it's just it's it's a long running Game of Thrones reference that predates the Game of Thrones books, I think. Exactly. So I'm just going to go with <laughs> Hon- it. But honestly, the least surprising thing you could tell me is that George R. R. Martin secretly plays Warhammer. Like, that's the least surprising thing that I would ever hear. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain why he hasn't finished the books yet. He's too busy. <sighs> yeah, uh, it, he's he's doing the books like people do armies. Oh yeah, I'll f- just a couple of bit more. I'll, I'll get a couple more out and then I'll finish it up. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then never get around to it. 
No, I, I did like the explanation in the when they were when they did the model release for like why he looks so much older than Gilliman. It's like, well, Gilliman's been in stasis for ten thousand years. The lion's been alive. He's just been like near death. So I was like, yeah, he would be ten thousand years older. Which, yeah, obviously we don't know anything about how he's coming back or what he's gonna be doing. That's all gonna be in the lion story. But like that ten thousand years old, like older than your brother thing can create some really interesting dynamics i think in the story if they decide to go that way right but like a few things they they revealed about the uh the arcs of omen book that is going to accompany him is that uh he's basically going to be taking care of uh, imperium nihilus like the the section that is behind the great rift mm-hmm. uh, and he's apparently been around f- fighting monsters because that's what he does as a knight that's what he did when he grew up on caliban and so he has been continuing that uh that theme and uh vashtor has apparently has his key fragments dark angels have been begun a quest of retribution and what they find is a revelation that will shock them to the core one so incredible that even the cool head of grandmaster azrael is clouded by righteous fury and Against them stand Vashtor, Abaddon, and Angron. This trifecta of terrible tyrants is too much for any force of heroes to overcome, but the timely arrival of Lionel Johnson and Dante's Blood Angels, so I imagine these are coming out around the same time. Mm-hmm. May yet snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, if only the lion had always been good. this good at turning up to sieges on time. Snap! Oh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw shade there. <laughs> I think this Ugh. will definitely finally end the whole the whole joke of the dark dark angels are secretly a traitor legion because nah not not at this point it's done I mean uh, or they could just be playing the long con oh come on stop it <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta get those jokes in like for the next couple of weeks until we're, it's finally disproven <laughs> right um, and we do know and we have artwork that uh Angron and Lionel Johnson are going to throw down brother versus brother. And I'm so saddened by that because Lionel Johnson has such a cool new model. It's going to be a shame <laughs> to kill him off in the fluff. Like immediately. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. <laughs> such so a that's shame. That's what you do with your model when you get it. You make a diorama <laughs> of your Angron and your Lionel Johnson and then put Farsight <laughs> hovering above both of them. Right. <laughs> Uh, no, whoever wins in that fight would still kill Farsight. Let's just be honest. Oh, God. Abs- 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But I do like the fact that like, the artwork of the fight shows the the Emperor's shield glowing. And Angron yeah. seems, well, I mean, he's angry about this, but he seems very put off by this fact. He doesn't. Because right. Angron, Angron has daddy issues like you wouldn't believe. So You don't say. Yeah, I think we talked about no, that. That is we cool. Covered his book. Yeah, yeah. No, that is that is cool artwork, and I'm excited to see where this goes because one of the I think one of the criticisms, although I don't necessarily have a problem with it, is after like the Vashtor, the Angron, and the Farsight arcs of Omen books have all kind of felt side questy a little bit. I'm hoping that the Lion like refocuses and like resolves all of these different threads that have been picked up. And it sounds like it might, because if he's going to fight Angron and Vashtor and Abaddon, you know, like that's going to tie up those books and those stories. And then hopefully the stuff that came out of Farsight's 
you know, with the Dark Angel crap and stuff like that is probably going to tie in how he comes back. So I, I hope they can kind of unify all of these desperate plot threads um, and and wrap it up in a satisfying way. Right. Now, I th- I, I'm actually looking forward to this. This has been a story on the scale of The Gathering Storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was obviously the the narrative series that led us into eighth edition, and I think this is at least as far as how the narrative is moving forward, this is close to that scale. So I, I'm excited to see how this finishes out. And uh, so far, we are two for two with massive storyline edition changes, bringing us a new loyalist uh, Primarch. So, so Dennis, you will get Lehman Russ when 11th edition comes out or right before the, you, rumors I'm hearing is right before the end of 10th. I know that's probably like two well, or three years in the future, but we're also so far two for two on loyalist, like loyalist primarchs coming back, but also, uh, all codexes being invalidated and going back to an index version. So look, look forward to all your 10th edition codexes. Uh, Yay! Uh, it will be getting to that in a bit in our main in our main segment. <laughs> uh, but uh, we do have one more thing to talk about before we get into the tenth edition reveal, and uh, that is the new kill team box that is has been announced with Gallowfall. So apparently the the Space Hulk Gallo Dark is uh, getting ready to collide with a planet, and uh, so this is the final chapter of the Gallo Dark series. And this quarter brings us Leagues of Votan versus Chaos Beastmen, of all things. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited about this reveal because just Votan and, and you guys were on the stream when it, they revealed it and I, I was logged in after. And I, I kept on hearing people say things about Votan jump packs. And I was thinking, wait, we got a new unit of jump packs. That would be awesome. But mm-hmm. alas, it's just a it's model. It's just a dude. The model looks really cool. Yeah. But the model looks really cool. And so, yeah, I am curious to see what this unit has in store. How you're going to interact. I mean, in Kill Team, well, I guess, yeah, Kill Team doesn't have the same as boarding actions where you can't fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm. And also new Voton models. I'm I'm thrilled, and I think Kevin, you you said Beastmen are interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the beast, I think the Beastmen are interesting. Like, I like the, uh, you know, I like the models that came in uh, Blackstone Fortress for them. Like, Beastmen are a cool chaos concept from from fantasy, and I think it totally makes sense that they would, you know, that you could potentially work them into Chaos Forces as like another troop unit. So now, like Chaos Forces have. You know your your space marines, your cultists, your you know your trader guardsmen, and now like beastmen, like that's that creates some cool options for them. But I do really like the new gear and stuff that the Voton, the Voton have, like the new like Gatling gun. The the one my maybe my favorite model of this is the the Voton guy that's got like the brass knuckles. <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah. punch this. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so great. Like I love that. No, this is this looks like a cool set, and like even the new like uh, you know terrain looks cool because there's like a little uh, there's like laboratory stuff and like a drop pod and you know and some other and like tanks and stuff. So like I I think this looks cool. I think this whole set looks cool. Yeah, it's like I was I I'm interested in seeing the like the man portable rotary high for the the Voton. <laughs> 
Uh, the, yeah, the jump pact makes me think that we, I mean, we know Votan definitely needs more units. I would not be surprised mm-hmm. if we see like a full jump unit of Hearthkin coming yeah. in the next year or so. Yeah. And, and while you really dig Brass Knuckles guy, and I admit he, <laughs> you know, punchy McPunch face right there is looking pretty good. It's a whole dwarf vibe, which I love. <laughs> yeah. My favorite is the miner with the do rag. Like that's the right. one that like the do rag and the big old mustache and everything. It's like I I he I dig him the most. He is pretty cool. But like I you know, same things we've said with the Votown stuff before, like the variety of faces, the variety of poses, like I really dig these models. So, you know, power axe is always cool. Like uh, yeah, this just looks like I don't know if this will be I, I assume this will be like the other ones where it's just like an upgrade screw, although I don't know how you get the jump person out of just the upgrade screw but i I really dig what they're doing here um with these models and i am looking forward to like when they incorporate these fully into the next version of the voton yeah the the jump will yeah he will probably it'll probably be an upgrade sprue with like one extra jump body on it Mm -hmm. is how i imagine that will probably go and then yeah the the beastmen you know they're consistent with a couple of beastmen that we got in blackstone fortress several years ago yeah and uh with all sorts of interesting mutations there's guys with multiple are like more than two arms there's like it looks like they've got a shaman of some sort there's guys who are tricked out with cybernetics there's one Uh, guy with a gas mask which is just cool yeah (laughs) yeah i mean they look they look cool i like them i don't know that again i don't know enough about kill team the rules stuff like that i imagined that this is probably several hundred points of Votan and like maybe a hundred points of Beastman. So like, it's probably not an even fight, but yeah, the models look cool. Yeah, no, I, I really do like the, uh, I like the design of both of these squads and uh, it lo- it's, it looks like it's a neat way to uh, wrap up this year's kill team store storyline. And so, yeah, that's everything that it for 40 K that isn't the big reveal. Um, that w- that is the tenth edition announcement. I, they did have a horse heresy announcement. There was a the return of the the uh, the black covered uh, campaign books. That's pretty cool. And, There's some cool uh, stuff again, for, it's been- for Sigmar and as well. Like at, like the the whole cities of Sigmar stuff. I think is neat because I always kind of like the empire in old old mm-hmm. fantasy. So seeing regular humans in the mortal realms is kind of cool. So again, models are all cool and things like that, but. Yeah, new Seraphon, like the new Lizardmen look really good. Uh, yeah, so it's like, yeah, the I don't think there was anything bad that was announced. And from what I was seeing from people's uh, reactions, everyone seemed pretty happy with everything that was that was announced at Adepticon. Yeah. But yes, the big thing is what we'll be talking about after we uh, take a break. And that is uh, the 10th edition announcement. So uh, we will see you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. 
You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding G-board portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is the 10th edition reveal at Adepticon. Um, and they they tried to pass this off, much as we did at the beginning of the show. It was like, ah, there's nothing. Now, we don't have any other announcements. That's pretty much it. And it's like, uh, well, okay, I guess there's the one more thing. And then they revealed the the launch trailer for uh, for 10th edition featuring the fourth tyrannic war between the ultramarines and hive fleet leviathan and apparently it's not going well the like the entire what do you video mean? victory like, yeah i was like the like gilliman <laughs> basically saying like yeah we we tell everybody everyone like claims that we're you know we're unbeatable and we are we are winning and we are full of victory and uh no we're falling behind and every victory is at a huge cost and we don't know if we're gonna make it and uh I mean, when have things gone bad in the 40k universe <laughs> never ever <laughs> yeah always ever <laughs> i mean in the far-flung future there's never war exactly that's never. the famous catchphrase of the game <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah we get reveals of a bunch of updated uh tyranid designs we get some updated some like newer space marine designs and we get some classic space marine designs that have only been slightly tweaked if at all which is really interesting um like we get to see a uh a lictor grab an like an apothecary just like <laughs> shank him from behind we get a uh, a full on screamer killer Carnifex just literally screaming plasma at somebody's face. Uh, the the Redemptor Dreadnought with the classic Dreadnought weaponry of like last cannon missile launcher is really yeah. cool to see in that one. We get to see a Space Marine librarian face down against uh, something that we have never seen, and I have heard rumor that this is a a Norn Queen emissary. We're getting new psychic bugs, apparently. Nice. Um, there's even uh, there's a scene where there's like a, f- a flying Tyranid that people are suggesting could be signs that we're getting Shrike models, which would be nice to actually have those in plastic. 
Yeah. So like we, we get a lot of stuff teased at us and, and yes, there are new models that are being released. Uh, obviously there's going to be a launch box as there is with every new edition. And one of the things they feature is Terminators. There have been rumors for Primaris Terminators and even Primaris Terminators coming in a 10th edition launch set for a while now. And everyone's like, Oh, what are you going to, how are you going to redesign Terminators? Turns out you don't redesign them. You just take that classic design and make it just like you fix the proportions on it a little bit and then leave it mm-hmm. alone. Like make, pose it a little bit more dynamically and call it good. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's very similar to like what they did with the Chaos Terminators. What? No more Super Soakers? No Super Soakers. These look like term. I mean, they just look like classic Terminators. And like <laughs> I've like they did a side by side of the like between the new one and the old ones. And the the old ones are a little bit smaller, but just a, you know, just a bit. Not the base size is the same. They're, the new ones are slightly larger than a, like, height-wise than a Primaris Intercessor. And one of the things they said during the preview was that there are no Primaris Terminators because the Terminator suits fit Primaris Marines, but they also fit Firstborn. So any Terminator you see could be Primaris, could be a Firstborn. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's like, it is just their Terminators. So that yeah. is cool to see. But otherwise, like, you look at all like the designs, like they've kept all the, the classic Terminator design bits. Like they still have like the, the reactor vents on the back. They've still got the, uh, like the tubing connecting like the, the elbows to their like wrist pieces, um, the, the piping around like the backs of the legs and the, like, and like on the fronts where they're, you're assuming there's like pistons, it looks like a Terminator suit. It's just an updated yeah. version of that model without changing the the aesthetic so, at all. So, so here's a question. When, when they put that Terminator armor on or any of the armor, do they actually sing the song like the hip joints connected to the flexor thing? And I don't know. Just- I, would cons- <laughs> I would think that would be considered heresy of some sort. So probably not. Well, no, the Space Marine doesn't sing it, but that's what the servitors are humming the entire uh, time while they're, while they're okay. loading them into the armor. <laughs> <laughs> that is true you are supposed to sing the proper the proper hymns right it's part of the ancient incantations yeah yeah <laughs> except it's all in latin so it sounds really intense <laughs> right i would love to see someone write that <laughs> uh but they're also they are not the only classic models getting an updated look we're also getting new termagants in the uh launch set they look pretty buff but it still looks like a Termagon. Like you, they have it side yeah. by side with the old one. And it's like, yep, that's a Termagon, all right. Yeah. I will say it looks like they're on uh, the twenty-eight five bases instead of the twenty fives. Because like, if you look at the side by side of the old Termagon and the new Termagon, it's just a sm- the base is just a smidge wider. Oh, so have fun rebasing normal. your Termagons. But yeah, they, <laughs> no, like they I'm did sorry. that with uh, Eldari warriors, so or guardians. So yeah, that's that's just a thing. Yeah, luckily I haven't painted most of them already. So, <laughs> oh, so that'll be the easy hey, solution. It's off for procrastination. You <laughs> just you just had to hold off, knowing like one day, one day they're going to remodel these on slightly different bases, and my time will have finally come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
there's an asterisk on this. It's okay. The current Termagant kit has served Turnered fans faithfully for years. A new one maintains the classic hunched over six limbs you look you know and love. And there's an asterisk on the hunched over part. And the footnote is something I did not need, but I'm sharing it with all of you because you must all suffer. And that is fortunately, Venomthropes are great at giving a back massage with those tentacles. Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> That was completely uh, unnecessary, and yet here we are. <laughs> yet here we are. No, I like it. It's uh, you know, it just seems like a, a an evolution of the uh, existing models. Like they're a little bit sharper in detail, a little bit cleaner, but like still largely recognizable. And I think you could put these side by side and not have any issues. Yeah, and like they've shown like two or three of them. So yeah, like they they look good. They and yeah, side by side. Like if you could mix and match them with your old termagants. And like once you get the base size evened out, they'll slot in nicely. So it's it's good. I like I like that they're not like doing a full redesign of the line. Just just we, like we have slots and bases now. No, no, not the. We're not going back to slot of bases. Preferably not. I mean, I mean there are some single. There are know. some monopose models that are on slot of bases still, but. And so, yeah, let's talk. But, you know, that's the models and that's what we've seen of models so far. But uh, they wanted to talk about the game. And so we don't like there's a lot of details we don't have because this is still very early on. Current rumors, which I would say are would be consistent with things we've seen in past years, have this coming out like late June, which I think matches what we've seen with past edition reveals. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they usually launch in the early part of summer. So they basically uh, have they've decided to what they say simplify the edition, but not make it simple. Yes, yeah. But they decided to do a lot of things that people have been mentioning have been issues. Like apparently they're cutting down on stratagems a lot. Yay! Yeah, one thing they says like factions will have about like six stratagems. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I like uh, that. But. As on the flip side, they are moving more things into universal stratagems. So like, hey, this is a strat we see over and over and over again in different codexes. We're just going to make one version of it that everybody uses. Man, we've never called for that. No, not <laughs> at all. Right. But yeah, they one thing they said was they basically went through every single rule of ninth edition and like examined it, said, we are going to decide if like it does this accomplish what we want it to. If so, fine, we'll leave it or just kind of tweak the wording. Otherwise, we will rewrite it. They are apparently the entire game has been rewritten from the ground up. They did mention some of the changes are uh, the psychic phase is gone. Instead, psychic powers will just happen at different phases in the game where it is appropriate for them. Um, so like if you have a witch fire spell, instead of casting it in the psychic phase, it'll just show up as like basically a shooting weapon on your profile, but it'll be flagged as psychic. So it'll interact and with psychic rules. Buffs in the command phase, I'd guess. I would guess so. Yeah. Um, things like warp time might be used in the movement phase. You know, I think, you know, it's just like we, we, ha we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but that's one of the things they definitely specified. The morale phase is being reworked entirely. It is being moved up to the command phase. And they said uh, one one thing they said is morale will no longer cause you to lose models. Instead, morale will impact how your unit functions. So, like if you fail morale, your unit will become less good at certain things, such as controlling objectives. And speaking of controlling objectives, uh, there's uh, a new stat line for everything, 
And uh, they have changed how data sheets are set up. And one of the things they wanted to do was your data sheet should fit on a card. And those cards and your army's rules are all you will need to bring to a game. And your army's rules should fit on a two-page spread. Like, that is what they want this to be. And they said, uh, like, if you change up, like, which like which sub-faction you're playing, it changes up your army's two-page spread, and they want it to be kind of a one-to-one swap out of rules, so you might have a different set of six stratagems. Anything that you have, like, they do not want to layer on complexity, they want to swap out rules. I think that's one of the things that most people are skeptical about, is whether or not they can maintain that. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I think I think they can. If they're putting an emphasis on it, that means they're definitely going to try. Yeah, I mean, I, to play devil's advocate, like we also heard this at 8th edition, too, where they're like, oh, yeah, this will be simple. We're going to slowly build up the complexity. And then, you know, you you turn around a little bit later and like you open up the Chaos Space Marine in, you know, cards for stratagems. And there's like 150 cards of specialized stratagems and like 18 sub factions and stuff. So it's like. GW has done a good job in the past of like starting and resetting things, but then they they tend to overindulge at some point. As we mentioned earlier, subtlety is not their not their thing. You know, they midway through an edition, they do something like they just drop the Decurion detachments on us, and then all of a sudden, army building for seventh edition is completely different, or you know, sub factions and and all these things. And it's I I am I hope they can keep it simplified. I have my doubts. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think I'm kind of with you, Dennis, that if they, if they maintain this philosophy, I think they can pull it off. I think we're going to see more leaning into things like armies of renown. And I think the perfect example uh, that we've seen will be the disciples of the red angel from the world eaters codex, where you basically have two different armies inside that codex with completely different, Warlord traits, relics, stratagems, and that will play very differently based on that. And again, it's pretty much a two-page spread, as they suggested. So yeah. I think that is that is the model to follow. Now, if only that book were still going to be legal for this new edition. Right. Yeah, uh, that's that's the other concern I have. But uh, no, I, I think the World Eaters, we said it at the time, the design of the World Eaters Codex and the design of the Imperial Guard Codex seem to hint at how they're going to be trying to like change the game going forward and it both of those seem to fall in line with what they're saying here about how they want to streamline the rules and kind of swap out complexity and things like that which i am all for i'm a bit frustrated that you know for the second for the second time in what three editions four editions i guess now they've given me the codex that I've wanted for years and then pulled the rug out from under me and reset everything a couple months later. But that is, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) You, you still get a few more months out of this particular book. Um, Sure. I'm going to be preparing for the Kansas city open and Midwest conquest. So like, I'm not going to be playing games. I'm going to be like 3d printing and painting stuff, but sure. Yeah. In theory, you can get a few more months of use out of it. Uh, I I, I, I feel your pain a little bit, Kevin. I'm just now getting my first games of Votan in, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I'll only play this rule set for a few months. Yeah, and and again, if they can do everything that they're saying they can do, and and they they hold to it, 
I'm going to be fine with that because every you don't we've been in this game long enough that we all understand that like yeah rules are temporary um so i get it i'm not really upset by it especially considering like how much of the world eater stuff i didn't necessarily have to buy because i sent us a bunch of free stuff so like you know i it's (laughs) it's just one of those where like it's it's mildly frustrating that like oh cool i finally got the army that i want and now we're gonna reset everything and maybe it'll still be the same army I don't expect it'll be like Corn Demon Kin, where like the army just disappears. But you know, I'm optimistic that that at least the beginning, the index version of 10th edition will be good. I am concerned that their commitment to the design philosophy, because if they're going to try to keep it this simple, what are they going to be putting in codexes? And why would I buy the new codex if you know, like that's the thing? It's like they their design philosophy of like, well. We need to add more to codexes so people buy the codexes because we're adding stuff to it. And, like, that's where they get into the power creep and, like, adding in yeah. complexity and things like that. That I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. Unless they add more fluff. Or maybe a codex might have, like, updated rules for here's your boarding action rules, here's your patrol rule. And the yeah. extra little rules no, for uh, that where instead of doing just an army, but they, they tailor rules to certain games and put them all in one codex. So you can use that faction on any, I don't know. I would, I would love that. <laughs> no, I would love that. And I, and I hope that's what they do. But I guess my point is they, they've come out multiple times before and said, this is our design philosophy. This is how we're going to do all of our codex design and then randomly change it midway through an edition and completely break the edition because there was, there was tipping points in ninth edition where, all of a sudden, the stratagem and subfaction bloat went from a couple to now here's a deck of Chaos Space Marine cards. It's like 200 individual cards of stratagems. Like, there's there's always that tipping point, and that's what I'm concerned about. Maybe that, maybe they'll be better about it. Maybe that tipping point won't come for a couple of years, but it's going to come at some point. And again, that doesn't that's not necessarily like I'm not like, oh, my God, I'm going to refuse to play the game. It's just. I'm weary that they're actually going to be able to hold to what they say because they haven't in previous editions. So, yeah, and that's I, I think it's fair to to come with it with a sense of okay, prove it. You know that I mm-hmm. think that's that's fine. I will say I'm intre- the the way they're doing this release uh, is, is interesting. Is they said they were very clear day one. Yes, there will be index rules. But they said the rules for every data sheet in 40K will be free to play or free to download. Yeah. You can buy them as as card packs, but you could also just download them and have them as like PDFs. And they're going to be available day one. And that is huge. And where I where I, I see this matching uh, another game would be Age of Sigmar. And with Age of Sigmar, their, their battle tomes, like they have all like you can download all the unit rules for free. For any unit in the game, like you can just go to their website and download it. You can go to their app and download it. What you don't get access to for Age of Sigmar is the relics, the command abilities, i.e. stratagems, the faction and sub faction abilities. So like and then the what they, they call Path to Glory, which is their version of Crusade. So, yeah, Dennis, I think you're you're right there that the codexes will be like, hey, if you want to do uh narrative play you're that's where you'll find your crusade rules which they did specify crusade is still a thing they're going to support in this new edition so we will definitely see that i'm gonna say one thing about the day one i don't believe them for one reason and that's because when you tried to get to anything 10th edition related during the adepticon reveal all of their sites were crashed 
because of too much traffic. So I have a feeling uh, okay. when 10th edition hits, day two might be the better day to try and go out and download rules. The, right. Okay, so the files will be there, whether or not they're publicly accessible due to the internet yeah. ca- catching fire around them is is still debatable. Well, and, and the other thing that they mentioned as well, that's, in my opinion, the linchpin for how all of this has to work is they're like, oh, we're going to update the app and everything will be available in the app and all that, oh, which, yeah. is, which is great. If true, they have a shitty track record of that. So I don't buy it. <laughs> like, this is, it's another one of those like, oh, it's, that sounds great. Prove it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I am excited for the new edition because I am excited for the changes they've talked about so far. And obviously we'll get more details over the next months or two. I am skeptical because they have said all of these things before, like, and they're even, it's, it's kind of funny. They're using the same hashtag new 40 K that they used for previous new additions. So if you go look at that hashtag on Twitter, you can see the previous discussion around the new additions and it's a lot of the same stuff. So like, (laughs) you know, we'll see. We will see. Yeah, you hope they've learned from that. We'll see. But I, I yeah, will I so. say I appreciate the philosophy they're putting forward. I'm, I hope for their sakes and and for the players' sakes that they do pull this off. I want them to pull it off, and I want them to maintain this. I think, yeah, I think there's a very good game here, and I think what they're doing with it, if they stick with it, is very good. Yes, the stuff that they've previewed, like mechanics wise, and and putting stuff more on the unit, you know, the units uh, sheets and stuff we'll get into about how like objective secured or whatever they're calling it. And like weapons and strengths like that. I think all of that is very good. I think all of that is nice to have it streamlined. I think they're very intelligently taking elements and design cues from other games and working that into their, you know, their game and what they're doing. So I am excited for all of that. I, I'm excited for a lot of the mechanical stuff they've previewed. Again, I just, I question their commitment to how long they keep it that way. <laughs> right, right. Um, speaking of like, let's, let's talk more about some of the mechanical things that they have revealed so far. Um, one thing they did point out is that they are trying to change how lethal the game is. They, they actually said, we are bringing down the lethality of the game. We want unit, we want units and models to stick around a bit longer. And one of the things they're doing to address that is they are adjusting the, the range of uh, toughnesses that they use. So they talked about how like in the past, like vehicles tended to top out around tough eight. You, we did have a couple of vehicles like uh, I think chaos, Land Raiders and Rogaldorn da- tanks that were hitting like T9. And, but they said with a lot of, with T8 being pretty standard for vehicles, uh, plasma became like the Swiss Army knife weapon. Like everyone was taking plasma because you could overcharge it t- to strength eight, uh, and it would kill anything. Like it was equally good against everything. And they said they want to get away from the idea that there is a, a one weapon that is great at everything. And so they're doing that by adjusting toughnesses. So they talked about there will be vehicles that are toughness 10, toughness 11, and that they will adjust weaponry so that we have weapons that are very clearly anti-armor weapons and then weapons that are much more geared towards uh, infantry 
that we have seen that before, but it's usually been they've tried to make it work inside that realm of, well, this is the standard. Like, this is the standard feeling yeah. for vehicle, you know, for toughness ranges. And now they're like, no, we need to expand the design space outside that. Which they said it's it's not quite going back to like the armor values of older versions of 40k, but it does kind of. But by using toughness, a you still have unified rules for handling everything, which was always a pain in the ass with vehicles, where they had mm -hmm. a, a set of rules where they didn't behave the same way. But they are going to adjust that so not everything's working on the same exact scale. Also, just the way they're they're dealing with weapons and on data sheets is different. Uh, they've rolled the ballistic skill into the weapon listing, and same with what uh, and with weapon skill for melee weapons. So instead of it being on the card, it's now on the weapon listing. And they said one of the reasons they want to do that is that you didn't have to mess with like, well, you can like this unit has these weapons, but one guy has this weapon and it's minus one to, to hit. So now you've got mm -hmm. to kind of. They, they want to just, you know, streamline it. So, like, the math ends up being the same, but you don't have to do the extra step to figure it out, which may seem like a minor thing, but a lot of minor things will add up to speed the game up a little bit. You know, again, just streamline it. Yeah, and it just makes it so much easier that you can, you know, for, for armies or for units like, say, Firstborn Marines that can take a bunch of different things, you you just, it simplifies it, it puts it all in one place and then you're not having to deal with modifiers. You just look at the weapon and say, okay, a power fist is weapon skill four, strength 12 or whatever, strength, you know, eight, what, et cetera. You know, and then you just like, okay, and it does this much damage. You just look there and it's, it's all there. And it doesn't matter who's necessarily swinging with it. It's this is, it's this profile. And then if you have a different unit that does it, maybe they're hitting on weapon skill two. Um, so I, I like that. I, I do like the simplicity of that. Mm -hmm. And they also said that, like, it allows them instead of having like, well, there's the power fist listing and then there's the special power fist listing for the unit where the power fist behaves differently. They can just say, no, like on this guy, like in this unit, a power fist is this in this unit, a power fist is that. And they, like, yep. there's not going to be any universal list of weapons anymore. Uh, it's all going to be very specific to the data sheets, which is a little bit Age of Sigmar-y, but still working yeah. with what we would expect with 40k rules. Like, they don't have a fixed, like, to-wound role like uh, Age, Age of Sigmar does. So, we, uh, you know, it's still going to feel more like 40k. A lot of the stats we also see on the cards, like, movement is the same, toughness is the same, save is the same, wounds is the same. Leadership is now a roll over instead of a roll under, which I think makes this make much more sense. It, it keeps everything yeah. consistent that this is a roll high system. And, uh, and then we have a new stat, OC, which I think they said stands for objective control. And one of the reasons they wanted to do this is because they got rid of objective secured. And they they wanted to streamline this process of figuring out who controls an objective while also allowing things like if an Imperial Knight steps up to an objective, one lone Space Marine should not outdo it for control of the objective, even though mm -hmm. it would have would have had like obsec before or it's because it's a troop's choice. Um, instead, it's like you total up the objective controlled of all your models on the uh on the objective and then your opponent adds up their objective controlled and whoever has the highest is holding that objective. So, well, that's our guess that, again. Yeah. And, and again, it's a, what gives them a wider design space to play with. Like you can have mm -hmm. uh, an Imperial Knight that is like objective controlled 12, like it can, you know, 
and then you know non-troop units might only have objective control one right and the question is is that objective controlled value per model per unit if it's per unit can that mean that unit can spread across multiple objectives like we've seen in the past with orcs mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah so that, that we don't know yet obviously right so well, and I, I just think it's interesting because it gives. Well, you know, we'll get into the you know in a minute here, but battle line units could have a different you know role. Like certain units can be used and better at like oh they may be, for example, like chaos cultists. They may be garbage at weapon skill. They may be garbage at shooting. Hey, they're really good at holding objectives. So you still might want to take some of them because they're the best unit in the codex at holding objectives. Even though if anything looks at them, they're going to die. Like it, it gives you it, again, it expands that design space of like you can tweak certain units to make them good, you know, better at certain things, um, including objective control versus you know lethality and stuff like that or toughness. So uh, I, I really do like this design choice. Yeah, no, I do like this. I, and again, I like the thing I keep seeing about this is. They are uh, finding ways to expand the yeah, – I keep saying the term expand the design space, but that's one of the issues that 40K has had for a while now is that, like, you know, we've always been kind of trapped in the – well, you know, we only ha- – we're using D6s, so we only have so many points of granularity for randomness. And, w- like, there's been this feeling since, you know, basically from the entirety of 3rd and I would say all the way up until ninth edition that – well, like we don't do toughness is higher than this, or we don't, you know, it's like everything has to be a, a certain way. And they're like, yeah, but does it, is it getting us what we want out of the game? And the answer is, has, is apparently no. So they're willing to go back and re-examine it and redo things and, and change how things are being handled while still trying to maintain the feel of consistency so that it won't be a complete. I have a feeling 10th won't be as big a relearning process as the jump between seventh and eighth, like seventh yeah, and eighth, I, I was don't expect a massive that. change. Yeah, I think this will be a little bit easier, but there will still obviously like the phases of the game are changing a bit. Um, the you know how we're determining who controls objectives is changing. Like, there's going to be a lot of changes that we will have to learn, but I don't think it's going to be as wide a range of changes. And yeah, you were getting to battle line units. One of the things they're also changing, and this this is huge is that force organization charts and detachments and things like that are going away entirely. But how can I have my riptide wing? Yeah. You can still have your riptide wing. It just won't, you know, it's like, but they basically said you, your army building should be pick a faction, pick a warlord, pick the units you want, no more than three of any one type, unless it's a battle line unit. And that's something they've basically borrowed from Age of Sigmar, where in armies, certain units will be considered battle line. And in Age of Sigmar, that means like, depending on the game size, you have to have like so many battle line units. That's not the case here, but uh, you can have up to six of a battle line unit as opposed to three. So the rule of three will still be in place. So you could still do a trip triple tide. Uh, if you want, but you, there's no troops tax. There's no like figuring out like, okay, so how do I build my arcs of Omen detachment? Which, which faction or which uh, battlefield role do I choose as my compulsory? No, that's gone. It's just like build. It's literally a build what you want. So I can finally yes. take an all Phoenix Lord army. You could potentially, yeah, you absolutely could. 
Yeah, you no longer have to fit your army into a force organization chart or compromise on the army you really want. It's a simple and liberating system. It opens the door to all kinds of fun, thematic, or unusual armies. So there you go, Dennis. You can build the all Phoenix Lord army of your dreams. <laughs> yeah. you, you know I'm all about the fun, thematic army. I know you are. <laughs> they do say that all cur- the current range of codexes will be retired, which, I mean, that's mm-hmm. not surprising. We saw that with the change from 7th to 8th. Uh, the rules in them don't work with the new edition, but remember the rules for all your units will be available free online at launch. I said, don't go throwing your codex away yet because uh, it still remains a rich repository of lore and inspiration on your army and that one that won't be immediately replaced. So we'll, it doesn't sound like they're in a hurry to replace every codex. So maybe we won't see the mad dash of 8th edition codexes or, you know, or the mad dash that we saw in 8th edition where we were doing two, three codexes a month. Well, at that time, we only had indexes for everything, and yeah, they, they said the indexes were just a stopgap, but here it feels like they're saying, leaning more, this is the rules, and codexes in the future will just kind of enhance things. They're not a go-to. Right, yeah. Which, um, which they again, do say, I hope that's right. the case. <laughs> yeah, they say codexes will return in time to replace the free worlds rules, but when they do, the complexity of the game won't increase thanks to a one-in-one-out ethos for army and sub-faction rules. Effectively, you will only ever need your unit data sheets, the two pages of rules that govern your co- chosen army, available in your codex on cards or digitally. So theoretically, um, the the rules for your army will when they say digitally they probably mean in the app so you'll probably still have to pay for them when your codex comes out i would imagine uh plus the core rules which they've also said will be available for free and hopefully it's the full core rules for playing the game not just the well here's everything except army building but since army building is completely changing maybe like if the if the core rules include all the stratagems which the old core rules did not this could actually be really good like i love the idea of if somebody can just download the rules download their army rules download their units and play day like day one or two depending on whether the internet's on fire um (laughs) i think like that's really lowers the bar to entry now we've actually seen people comment both on reddit and on our own facebook page that this might give them the opportunity to actually try the game like in a way that they didn't have before like there are people who are like yeah i bought models with the intention to play but i just i just couldn't justify like buying a a 70 dollars rule book and a 60 dollars codex and trying to learn the rules but if it's all free and it's all available right away then i've got no excuse not to try it and so that's an opportunity to get to those people and what i found very interesting and very kind of disappointing. Like we've talked in the past about like we had a, you know, we had a debate uh, several months ago about like is 40K too complex? And I talked about one page rules and the difference between the one page rules community and like and or, you know, one page rules and ninth edition. And we even came to the point like ninth edition, the rules are fine. It's the army rules that are too complex, at least from my standpoint. But like we looked at the rules. It's like, yeah, ninth and one page are not that wildly different. And over on the one page rules reddit subreddit like you would think they'd be like oh yeah see they're finally coming around our way of thinking and instead they're all bitter like no i hate gw anyway it's like oh oh it had nothing to do with whether you actually wanted a simpler game or not and you're not happy for them following your philosophy you're just grumpy and and bitter got it it's like that that kind of disappointed me 
I'll take this takeaway though of, I think this is Games Workshop paying attention to, I'll say the marketplace, but mm-hmm. understanding what it makes a successful game. And they probably did take some of those ideas to incorporate oh, into I'm the new edition. I'm sure they just did. Just because that's the way you build a better product is see what people want and like and incorporate it in and then make it work. Yeah. They, they like one of the reasons. One of the reasons they said they wanted to get this down to a two-page army spread and whatever cards you need for your art for the your units is that one of the biggest complaints people had was, well, I'm tired of having to bring a whole bunch of books to play a particular army. And they're like, okay, let's change that then. Let's fix that. And I appreciate them, you know, if that because that is actually a complaint we've seen from people. It's like, yeah, I want to play this. But now I've got to have this, I've got to have the core book and I've got to have this codex. And then this campaign book has the particular uh, like sub faction focus or the particular, uh, you know, army renown that I want to play. And then, oh, and then there's this rule from here and that rule from here. And they're like, okay, no, let's, let's streamline that. Let's get rid of all that extra craft so you can just bring what you want to play. It's almost like they're shifting away from being like a fully a models company to a company that's actually realizing we make a game that people want to play. And yeah, I think they are looking. Yes and no. Because to me, this is put, if they're putting the games out there or the rules out there for free, that to me says we're going to make money off our models. And Mm -hmm. that says we're more of a model company. And here's the rules to make the models do good, do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I think they are looking at what like uh, Atomic Mass Games is doing with like Marvel Crisis Protocol and Star Wars Legion, which I'd say would be the two bigger competitors to this right now and figuring out like, okay, so what are people wanting? Like, why are people leaving our games to go play these games instead? What are they doing that we're not? What do people want out of this gaming? And they also like people want faster games as well and yes. so if they can streamline these games so that it doesn't necessarily take three hours to play a game then that's good too i mean i i i know everyone always says they want faster games but i think you'll only see that at like the in like garage level i i think tournaments are still going to be three hour time slots because they're gonna go to the maximum points that they can just to have all the toys on the table <laughs> Yeah, I mean, most likely, but it, I'm curious to see. They they also said like the points will be available for free, which that's not a surprise. They're doing that now already. But uh, I'm curious to see what armies are going to look like because it's been sug- I've seen suggestions that games will be smaller, like model counts on the table will be smaller, which if mm-hmm. that's true, I'm fine with that as well, because that has another been another complaint that. You know, 2000 point games are sometimes too large to be the standard. And if to what 2000 points is ends up being fewer models because they give themselves more, again, a wider design space for pointing out armies and figuring out like, hey, this unit should actually be worth a lot more points. And that just means we've got smaller tabletop games. I'm also fine with that. Uh, They did specify the Arcs of Omen and Boarding Patrol books and rules will still persist. Those were actually written to be backwards compatible. Now the mustering rules will most likely be different, obviously, but uh, the actual like mission rules and everything should be the same. And it sounds like even the uh, stratagems could like the stratagems and such, the faction rules could be usable. I don't know. 
but they they said they specifically wrote those books to be backwards compatible or forwards compatible, I guess, with tenth edition. Yeah, that's that's good. Like that's definitely a positive. Uh, and then they brought up something different even yet again, and it has to do with the combat patrol boxes. And this one strikes me as kind of weird. And I don't know what I think about it is that there's going to be a format of the game called combat patrol and the combat patrols will only use the forces in the combat patrol boxes as predefined forces and the rules for them will be simplified even more than the standard 10th edition 40k rules because they are specifically geared at beginners. I don't know if I like I mean I like that as a good intro but I if you've been in the game for a while like we'll talk about the Eldar combat patrol you mentioned I don't need a technically a third Jane Czar I don't really need more banshees and I don't own the corsairs so it'd be do I have to go find two corsair boxes but then the rules for that are probably in the combat patrol box Well remember yeah. that's a boarding patrol that's a, a boarding, boarding patrol. patrol sorry sorry Okay, these I'm are getting- just the combat patrols. These are just <sighs> so like, so like the Eldari one would be the Farseer, the Wraith Lord, the Six Bikes, and the Guardian Squad. Okay, like that it. And the idea is, they said they want these to be like these combat patrols are all supposed to be balanced against each other, which is going to be interesting to see because the they are not built the same. <laughs> yeah, there <sighs> is a large variance in size and points and like just things like that in because some of those contain vehicles some don't some contain monsters some don't i it that's going to be a tough balance point i'm hopeful that they can do it because if they can then it becomes just a pick and play like this is a way to actually get started like the things that we were saying with like well kill team or some of these other games are things that you could ease into and get to 40k but since kill team has a wildly different rules like, it's not really a great balancing point. But, you know, I, I think uh, Arbiter Ian in one of his his videos was talking about that, like, well, really what happens is Kill Team isn't necessarily your intro point. Kill Team is where all the disgruntled 40k players go to play a better game. Like, and, you know, <laughs> I, when, I don't know that I completely agree with that. But, like, yeah, like, I understand it. Like, it's not really the same path or the path that we would like to get people to play larger games of 40k. But if they can balance combat patrols and make it where, yes, this is your starting point. You walk into a store. Granted, they're well past some of the price points that we want. But you walk into a store. You pay 150 bucks or whatever for your combat patrol. You go home. You put the models together. You download the rules off the website. You download the free core rules. And you can play. And you don't have to go buy other boxes. You don't have to go do other things. You can just buy one box and go and hopefully that's how it works you know we'll see but i'm if they can make that work that is a way to grow the hobby directly and get new players and entice new players to come in uh which i like and i think that's desperately needed yeah it's like i i like the mission on this one i'm just very curious to see how this is going to work. And they, they said they are going to, to get more into the details later on how they do that. And in fact, uh, on Friday, they released an article called 10th edition Warhammer 40k. Your, your questions answered. 
Uh, so you kind of run through these real quick. Is this a totally new edition? Yes, it's a complete revision of the game. Every single element of the game has been revised and rewritten from the ground up. Plenty of the rules remain the same, but there's not a single one that has not been reassessed and, if necessary, rewritten to work perfectly in the new system. Uh, will it be quicker and easier to play? Uh, we've listened to your feedback, taken on board all the suggestions we've received since the launch of Ninth. Uh, one thing that repeatedly came up was the number of different books you currently need to reference while playing. Uh, so that's why they want to get to data sheet cards and the two page rule spread. Yeah. Uh, here's one that we, I think we will all appreciate. One core f- design philosophy has governed all the changes, simplified, not simple. All the rules for your army are now con- contained exclusively on a single double page spread. There are also far fewer stratagems, relics, and special rules to keep track of. Universal special rules are back in the game. It doesn't matter if you're making a dimensional translocation or preparing death from below. It's all deep strike now. And they, I think I saw another. Uh, article said like people use the terms you know feel no pain and deep strike so it's like why not just go back to that so that was in the article itself yeah and i'm i'm gonna go ahead and start the rumor right now just so that everyone is aware and like we can revise history on this gw was so thankful to the podcasting community that they decided to name all of these universal special rules after various 40k podcasts so they <laughs> they named the prefer enemy special rule in honor of us. Deep Strike was in <laughs> honor of Deep Strike Radio, etc. So, you know, I, I am very touched by Games Workshop's outreach to the community, and I'm really proud that we get to live on uh, in future versions of 40K. <laughs> I, I if I'll be surprised to see if we preferred enemy. I imagine we didn't make the cut. I'm just going to put that Aww. out there. <laughs> well... I, I kind of in my mind, that's what's footnote happening. Footnote special rule, but yeah, no, but <laughs> I, I appreciate them when they made the change to the more narrative focus where they did the de- design philosophy, but it just made it too confusing. And thus, all the players, yeah, everyone, oh, that gives you a six up, feel no pain. Oh, yeah, I'm deep striking these mm-hmm. in. Those phrases were so ingrained in the 40k game culture that you can't really remove them so just just embrace that they're there and yeah you're right some of the more ones that weren't really used like eternal warrior is probably not coming back um or maybe it is i don't know um pour one out to the eternal warriors podcast (laughs) but preferred enemies i mean that not that did not get used that often but yeah we're still here as a I mean, podcast, so yeah we could still we could still see like the return of those rules in a f- function that's slightly different, but has the same thematic idea yeah. behind them. So, yeah, for sure. Let's see. And then uh, core stratagems, much more reactive in the new edition means there's less waiting around during your opponent's turn. Yeah, they wanted the one thing they did is they I don't think we're going to see uh, the game go to alternating activations. That has been something that people said, well, that's what 40K needs. I don't think that's happening on this in this edition. But instead, we're going to see more of a the idea that you can use stratagem core stratagems to do things on your opponent's turn. So we'll see how that goes. But Ooh, uh, and our stratagem is going to be have on cards, uh, possibly. So you can literally, when somebody plays something, you say, "Ah, you've activated my trap card." Oh, stratagem! <laughs> I walked into that. I <laughs> I blame myself. <laughs> Um, let's see how easy to get in the game. Well, we know not everyone has a full evening to spare playing one game or has a 2000 
checkpoint army ready to rock, which is why they've got the combat patrol format. You and your friends can each grab one combat patrol box, download a set of rules that balances your chosen force against any other combat patrol box, and you'll have enough to play a quick, satisfying game against each other uh, straight away. So one possibility I have heard suggested is that the unit profiles might be different in a combat patrol format versus a, no- a standard format. Like some things may be more powerful in combat patrol than they would normally be or weaker or vice, you know, vice versa. Um, how are combat patrols balanced? It's a new mode of war. For 40k, it pits the contents of one combat patrol box against another. Uh, how have the Wars Warhammer Design Studio managed to balance different boxes against each other with great ingenuity? This really is a silky smooth way to dip your toes into the 41st millennium, uh, but more details are coming to explain how they're doing that. So we don't know yet. Um, will my collection and codexes be compatible? Your miniatures aren't going anywhere, and we'll have plenty more to say about what codexes will look like early next week. So by the time you hear this, we will probably have more details, but we don't yet. Rest assured, you won't be wanting for options in the new edition. Are Universal Special Rules returning? Short answer is yes. Ultimately, the Warhammer Design Studio decided having the same special rule under a dozen or more separate faction names has become a bit of a barrier to the smooth running of the game. Thank you, yes, for finally realizing this. We've been saying that since mm-hmm. 8th edition. <laughs> um, do mo- vehicle and monster profiles still degrade as they take damage? More or less, so the mechanic has been streamlined instead of three separate profiles. And I was wondering this because the way the sheets are laid out wouldn't really allow for it in an v- easy format. Instead of three separate profiles, there's a single line on each unit card that still acts like this and explains any penalties incurred when a certain wounds certain wounds threshold is reached. More on this soon. I'm thinking that we're maybe going to have two tiers. Like, and I'm wondering yeah. if this is going to be kind of like the old fourth edition D and D blooded mechanic, where like you're at once you're below half, you're you know, like something else, like your stats mm-hmm. change. And so I would bet the like at half strength unit will have these penalties applied or maybe bonuses if they're angry could be bonus yeah it could yeah it could just basically be when they're (laughs) blooded these like this is how the stats are affected so yeah yeah i'm curious to see how that one goes um again we need more details on that uh what is the oc stat oc stands for objective control and it's a measure of how good a unit is at holding a contested objective Confusing days of objective secured are gone, and we'll have more on how the new rule works very soon, too. And uh, it says still a bit of time before the new edition is released into the wild, so they want people to sign up to their newsletter. Of course they do. Um, but Sure. So I think that is most of the detail that we have on 10th edition. That's, I think, everything that has been released up to the time of recording. And I mean, there's still a lot to process on that. Uh, there, you know, I'm optimistically, I'm, I'm cautiously excited and optimistic, which is cautiously optimistic is weird, but yeah, it's like, I, I like what I'm hearing. I'm liking what I'm hearing, especially about the game mechanics. And I want to see this succeed. I want to see if they can pull this off. I really do. No, same. Um, you know, I'm, there's a little bit of frustration. I think we talked about this before that like I I had at least personally hoped that they wouldn't do an index version because I knew that my codex was going to be one of the last ones out. So like, you know, I was hoping to not have to rebuy it again. 
but I do see a lot of the changes and I see the positives in what they're trying to do. Obviously, we've got to see more detail. And I, again, I am just, I'm hopeful that they've learned from previous editions and they're not going to radically change the design philosophy midway through the edition again, uh, because that's where they mm-hmm. seem to get into problems. So we'll see. No, I don't disagree. And this is a, and I would say as far as design philosophy, this is a radical shift from the previous philosophies, which I mean, I understand why people expect this to just get more things layered on because that's been the design since like, since we started playing the game back and forth is everything just gets more and more things layered on top of it. We definitely saw that in sixth and seventh, especially we saw it in eighth and we definitely saw it in ninth. And so I totally understand why everyone would be like, yeah, they say they're going to do it, but they've never done it before. If they can keep with that, that two page army spread, which I would say is a very contemporary game design. Like they're kind of moving. Yeah. If they do this, they're kind of moving their game design out of the eighties and early nineties and into the 2020s, because that is how a lot of companies are handling, handling the rules. They want the complexity to be in how you interact on the tabletop, not necessarily the crunchiness of the rules. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think they're moving. They're moving towards where other games are going um, and where other games have already gone. So, like, I, I think that is definitely a positive. And we know they've been bringing a lot of new blood into the game design studio itself. I mean, in the last few years, we saw job postings for, like, people in the boxed game division. And, like, I think they recently they brought on a newer, like, Age of Sigmar rules, like, rules director mm-hmm. uh, in the last year or so. In fact, I think the last Metal Watch I saw was like, oh, who's this American guy that they've got on? Oh, yeah, apparently that's the head of Age of Sigmar rules writing now. So they've they've changed up who's in charge of because I think and then we've got what Stu Black, I think, in charge of the yeah. uh, the 40K rules. And so it's like, hey, it's nice to have a, a name and face for who's in charge, like basically kind of a, a buck stops here with the rules. Like if something isn't done right, like who's, who's someone the, the Internet can be angry at. <laughs> but it's also it's yeah, but I've also yeah. appreciated them having somebody out there to basically take responsibility and say, Hey, yeah, things aren't working. Like this is, or isn't working how we want it to. So we are going to be doing balance changes. And what we've seen of GW in the past couple of years has been far more proactive at, yes, at trying to hit good game design and trying to hit balance. And I think if they've been working this whole time behind the scenes, trying to, which tells me if they've been doing this over the lot at best i mean considering like all the presentation that's gone into this they must have known this new edition i mean obviously we we were expecting a three-year cycle but the development on this had to have started a couple of years ago so it's like it almost makes me feel like no for sure they're they're probably a year into ninth edition like okay so how would we do this differently and i yeah i'm curious when they started the design on this and and obviously there's been issues that have been become more obvious over the last two years so hopefully during that design and refinement process they've been paying attention to what people have been bringing up for ninth edition and yeah i'm 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 just wondering like what i'm wondering what's going to come out of this and how different it's going to be and how long they've been planning this 
Yeah, that that is the the thing that gives me the the single most source of optimism on all of this is the engagement they've had, the the way that they've been willing to tweak the rules, willing to tweak army construction, listen to feedback, you know, support the community with balancing and points updates and things like that. And like actually putting in the work to make this as balanced a game as possible. If they continue that level of commitment to those things in the next edition, we'll be in a really good spot. So I'm I'm optimistic that they can get there. We'll just have to see. Yeah. And and again, I think that the biggest points are like, oh, yeah, we'll have, you know, when they said, yeah, we're going to have an army building app day one. Mm, will you? Because that's never worked out well for you. Right. So, uh, but hey, maybe that's the reason that this app, that the current app hasn't been updated as, as well as it could have been is because they've been busy building the new one. Um, hopefully Which- that app won't require a subscription to use because that would also be ideal. I would also feel a little bit like mad though if you find out that like, well, yeah, we've been holding back on the ninth edition army list builder because we're working on a new one. If I had been paying for that every month, I would be very mad about that. Yeah, so. yeah, it's like it's there's no good way to come out of that. I think one, yeah. you know, it's like somebody's going to be mad about that. But I mean, if they're honestly going to put all the, as many rules as they can available for free or for easy access digitally. I mean, I definitely want to encourage them to do that more. That is that is something we have been mm-hmm. asking for. And if they can get the if they can get a fully functioning app, and maybe they will be charging for it for the army builder, don't know. Um, but you know, they they did say like day one they want to have an app available. We'll see if that happens uh, and and how well it works. But there's an opportunity for them to do this right on at launch. There's an opportunity for them to yeah. get this right. And I wish them the best of luck on doing it. I want to see them succeed at it. I want to see this as a game that is very accessible to people. I want it. I, and I want to see it as a game that is still a good time for competitive, you know, for complex competitive play as well. So there's a very good possibility they can thread that needle. It's not that difficult. Other companies are doing it. And I'm just hoping that they've been willing to move enough beyond past preconceptions that they've themselves have had about the game and how it's supposed to work that they can get there. And it sounds like they may have. So I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed on 10th edition. I like I said, cost cautiously optimistic for sure. But I think that pretty much covers the 10th edition announcement. Obviously in our next episode, we will probably have more details yet. Um, so because they're going, they said they're like early next week, we're going to be getting more details. And I imagine we'll be getting details every week over the next probably three months. Because again, early summer would generally be when we would see this dropped. So um, that does mean uh, Midwest Conquest and the US Open are going to be among some of the last ninth edition events i think technically the if if this is released the weekend that i think it might be released i think bug eater might actually be the very last (laughs) like one of the very last of the ninth edition events because i think they are june 24th which is a date i've been i've seen bounced around for the possible release of 10th edition but it's it's going to be interesting because like technically show me showdown which is the middle of july 
could be switching to like i don't know if they'll try to use ninth edition rules or if they'll switch over to 10th considering it might only be like three weeks old at the time that yeah and also show me showdowns the the last part of the kc series Mm -hmm. so they might want to keep the old rules just so everyone playing in the series played on the same set of rules yeah and that would be that would be fine too i'd like competitively i don't see this like whatever it comes out it won't be adopted i imagine for about a month because they're going to want right. to give people at least that much time to adjust army building adjust to the new rules like you're not going to have a competitive event for it the week after it launches it's not even with all the rules out there for free it's not going to happen but mm-hmm. right. at least not like a gt level and i'm just laughing in my mind that it just feels like midwest conquest is i i remember we had it right before previous two edition changes as well and it was like yeah we don't care about what's happening now because we're just playing games for fun because new edition's coming out next month <laughs> yeah which no I think still, it was, it was yeah, literally the it went up for pre-order the week of the event so it released the next the times, week yeah. yeah it was wild <laughs> oh and it was so chill it was the best event i one of the best events i was ever at because there were like no rules great. disputes because like you said Dennis, nobody cared it was great <laughs> and so yeah i'm 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 curious to see how quickly things will switch over. I imagine by if it comes out late June, I imagine by early July, it'll probably be like everyone will be switched over to it. But um, I'm I'm curious to see. It also means that the event at the the U.S. Open in KC, I think, is the only one that will be played with ninth edition rules because I think all the other ones are. Uh, late enough after the edition switch yep. that they'll be 10th edition. Yep. And it makes you think that that might've been why they were doing the team event there. Cause then mm-hmm. they exactly. didn't have to worry about singles on the new edition when going to the grand finals. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. I, th- I, I, I think we, we, we're in, we are in interesting territory. It's the, in a way that we haven't been since, I'd really say since eighth edition, like eight, the switch from seven, this mm-hmm. is as big as the switch from seventh to eighth. So we are not exactly completely unknown territory, but the details are still, still unknown to all of us. But, uh, I, we, as we get more information over the next uh, few months, we will be sure to discuss it and share it with you all. And, uh, I'm excited to see what comes out. Yep. All right. So, um, I will go ahead. We'll go ahead and do hobby progress because hobby progress is, is edition agnostic because it, it doesn't care what edition <laughs> you're on. It is, it is just models. So I did, I will say I did finish up, uh, in between the last episode and now, um, I finished up, uh, painting another squad of Tau Breachers and a couple of Crute Hounds to take for my army to uh, Planet Arcanite, which was the 40k tournament at Planet Comic Con here in KC. And I can happily report I went 3-3, and which is my goal. I wanted to go 3-3. and I wanted to have at least an even record, and I did. I almost went 4-2, and but I lost my last game by 4 points to a Mechanicus player. Uh, just because primarily he had better secondaries than I did. Um, so he was able to max out his points just a bit more. We tied on primary. We, t- we, we tied on primary at 43 points. Uh, we both had battle, battle ready armies. So that was, that put us at 53. And then he had 
I think I think I was yeah, I was 27 on my secondaries to 31 for his. So it was a it was a tight game. <laughs> and <laughs> but I think I didn't have any bad games and I it, the event was really drama free. Everyone got along well and everything went smoothly, so that that's always good to see. So it was a fun event and it was good to get back to competitive 40k after a long break. Uh, but now I am busy building Leagues of Votan for the Raffle Army for uh, Midwest Yay. Conquest that we are going like to be uh, raffling off to raise money for the KU Cancer Center. And I have almost all of the Combat Patrol box, or not the Combat Patrol, the uh, Launch Army box built. I'm finishing up the, or building the Pioneers now, and that's, they are actually going together a lot easier than I expected considering how complex they look at certain points. So. Oh, they go together beautifully. It's, it's painting them afterwards. I imagine, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, and then I still have a, I have a combat patrol box to build for them, a box of Thunderkin brokers, a box of iron here, champ or, uh, iron hearth guard, uh, actually. And then we act one of the raffles, like the door prize raffles at, uh, Planet Arcanite, I won a second Iron Here champion to uh, nice. go with the army. So we'll have two Iron Here champions, two calls, one of which will be Uthar, and uh, then the contents of all those other boxes. And if I have the time, I will probably add a uh, the Land Fortress, the Hecaton, to it. So that nice. So I am making progress as we speak. Wow, he's building and recording. Oh, no, no, actually, not as we speak. Not literally as we speak. (laughs) Figuratively. Yeah. I am just, uh, I'm working on building out my list for the Kansas City Open, uh, trying to figure out exactly what I want to build and want to take. I think I'm going to focus more on getting Ankron finished and then uh, building out the uh, eight bound um, that I have and putting those together. It's been harder to find some of the units. Like there's not a ton of new units for world eaters, but um, the, the eight bound and like the jackals have been really hard to find. So, um, I think because it's going to be a 50 PL event, I think I'm probably going to run them as disciples of the red angel and focus more on eight bound and Angron, but we'll see. It just kind of depends. I got to get all of that stuff together and I'm still working on unpacking and organizing my house so I can get to my 3d printers to start working on other stuff. So, so I just thought of a question. Probably for both of mm-hmm. you, but is this why we had to kill off some of the eight? Because the eight and eight bound were too close together? And or I mean, potentially. is this why Farsight's falling to corn because he was with the eight? I mean, potentially. I think I like that idea. And actually, like yeah. I've been thinking the entire time we've been talking about like how I could convert up like a, a chaos version, like a, ta- a chaos version of the eight. So, you know, it's I've been thinking about it. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess for me, um, I guess kind of like you, Rob, I finally got my first competitive games with Votan in at a um, local store, and that was great. I found out that um, Tau Tactics, even though I've never really used it before, really work. Well, not the jump-shoot-jump, we can't do that, but setting up a kill box and then just pummeling whatever walks into it. Also learned at the time that Custode Wardens are really tough. Especially when there's a squad of ten of them. Oh jeez! They, they they came into my kill box and I killed eight of them, and the guy was really surprised. But that wasn't enough to kill them, and so they got into melee and um, were slaughtering things. And because I focused on them, I had to ignore the 
Dawn Eagle jet bikes that were then coming around my flank and just causing all sorts of problems. Though Those things, I don't want to say easily took out the land fortress, but if you get the land fortress into melee with something pretty strong, the land fortress is going to die. Like in the first game against Yanari, the Incarn kind of took it out in melee. But then my, my Forge Master got revenge and went up and meleeed the Incarn to death. I mean, the Incarn only had two wounds left, <laughs> but I meleeed him to death. <laughs> uh so no that that was a lot of fun and the place had a lot of new faces they said for theirs and it's it's a place that's like in between both dallas and fort worth so talking to some of the other players some of them were from dallas but some uh, half of them were like from fort worth so this seemed to be a really nice meeting spot for i guess both sides because I'm, I'm not driving to fort worth for tournaments that's like an hour drive and they weren't going to come to dallas and so I was like this one's about 30 minutes away from both so cool then as for painting, yeah, I'm, I got Hearthkin together because this same place is having a thousand point tournament coming up on April 1st that I've been wanting to play a thousand point game. So I'm like, yes. And talking to the guy who was running it, he said, yeah, they wanted to get tournaments started there. And so they started some, but there weren't enough people that had armies to play. So they ended up, um, setting up to where they do a thousand points. So then I've now they've got monthly a thousand point tournament one week and a 2000 point two weeks later and just repeat that every month. And this way they can get the people that don't have armies or the ones that are just getting into the game to play. And I, I applaud that because anytime you yeah, can absolutely. Like reach out to new people and then also, well, knowing me, I, for this thousand part point list, I was debating between like, a normal list just to see how it would go or just a silly list. And I, I settled on the silly list. So my thousand point <laughs> list for Votan is 17 models. <laughs> Do you want to like a custodes list? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Cause I've got two Einhorn champions, one with the axe, one with the mall, and that's 250 points. And then the rest of it is three squads of Hearthguard. And mm-hmm. so each one of those is 225 points each. So that gets me to 925. And well, there's nothing in the book you can take for 75 points or less. So that's going to be my army. I will. So basically get- you're doing the, the Votan equivalent of, de- of, uh, like Deathwing. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am actually. I'm not going to hold objectives because I have no objective secured. If it wasn't for being Ymir and having, taking everyone with teleport. I, I wouldn't have no movement because I'd only be moving five inches. So yeah, I, I, this army is not really going to win. It's going to survive and have fun at seeing what I can destroy and maybe do some funny tactics with teleports to surprise people. But we'll see. <laughs> uh, for me, hobby progress, I found my lost Makari model because I was, I had, Planned on painting it right after I finished Gazgol, and then I couldn't find it. So I, I finally found it and and painted him up, uh, and then I painted a, an orc pain boy, uh, and then I put together. I finally got around to putting together the the new orc boy kit, and eh, it it's a little disappointing as far as like the options go. Like the models are good looking and dynamic and. But I don't know. It's hard to convert them just because of the dynamic poses. And the, there's like three shooter boys in the box. And that's like those bodies just make shooter boys. So if you want to like a shooter boy unit, you have to buy three boxes. Eh. 
That's not ideal. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not ideal. I would have liked a little more versatility, but, eh, I mean, I already have enough boys, so it doesn't matter a <laughs> whole lot. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not lacking in boys. So, that that's, that's pretty much all I've gotten done. And that brings us to the last part of the show, which would be the morale phase. And I actually want to bring up something that uh, Richard and I actually got to play last night. Uh, we did a um, there's a there's an entire series of games called the Tiny Epic series. Uh, I think the first one was Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is like a uh empire like a space empire building game but the thing about it is like the tiny epic series every one of these games fits into a box that's like maybe like four inches by like six or seven inches and then maybe like an inch and a half deep Uh, which you would think would mean it'd be a very simple basic game and that is not always the case and so the game we played last night was tiny epic dungeons and it is a dungeon crawler game where you have two to four players. I think you can even go one to four players because it does have rules for solo play. And all the tiny games, tiny epic games have solo play rules, which is a really nice feature to have. But uh, like you start with your characters on a space, like on a, a, a square in the middle of the, the table representing the entrance to the dungeon. And, you have generated a, like, you randomly pick a boss who you don't know, like, you keep the boss face down, and you have to explore the dungeon, find the boss's lair, unlock the boss's lair by defeating two to four monsters, because it's basically one for each player in the game, and, f- like, find the boss, and then once you get to the boss, you have to defeat the boss, and one of the things you have to do is you have to kite the boss all the way back to the places where you fought those monsters to break their because the boss has multiple health bars, just like in a it, like in a video game, and you can't break the health bars entirely until you break um, until you can get them to those certain points in the map. And all the while this is happening, there's two other things that can cause you to lose the game because there's a torch that is constantly burning down. And if it ever burns down entirely, you lose the game. And there are goblins that spawn constantly in this game. (laughs) And (laughs) if there are ever four goblins on the map and you spawn a fifth one, you lose the game. So you constantly have to manage the, the goblin mobs and keep them pinned down. And the goblins also tend to get stronger for every goblin that's on the map too. So you, you got to keep them under control. And there's loot to collect. There are item sets that get progressively better if you have more items from each individual from that set. There are spells that your spellcasters can collect. There's eight heroes to choose from in the box set. And each model, like each character has a fully sculpted plastic miniature that are tiny and fit in this tiny box, but are still very clearly recognizable with all the details that that character should have. And then the monsters and stuff are all represented by wooden meeples, but like even the goblins and the monster meeples are all like painted up and printed to have the design of that monster on them. So the presentation is really good. The game ratchets up tension because like at first you're just kind of exploring and finding your way around. 
And then as you get closer and closer, you realize, oh, we're running out of time because the torch has a track which has probably about like 30 or so spaces on it. And after every character acts, after every every time a player acts, that torch moves down. And then as the torch moves down, more goblins get spawned. Monsters get chances to move into other rooms and and do damage to people. And it starts getting tense. And last night, like we got to the boss before we ran out of time for the night because like it ended up hitting like 11 o'clock at night. But we got to the boss, but just barely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we had like. Like we're we're in like the last three, like four, four or five spaces of the torch. And we're looking around the table like, OK, so how do we and we couldn't find one of the minion rooms yet. It's like all the because as you like you move into a room, rooms get dealt out from this deck for every uh, exit to that room. But you don't know what's in them until you step into them. And so by the end, we had one minion to find. Which like the minions are the monsters that you have to kill to unlock the boss's lair. We had one minion to find three unexplored rooms that were not right next to each other and had to figure out how are we going to get there and find this thing before and then get to the boss's room and unlock the door before time ran out. And we I think we just barely did it before it because once the torch hits the last last spot, game over. I think we did it with one spot remaining, and yeah. part of that was because you were Richard. You were able to like tele get to a room where you could teleport to the boss room and unlock it on your like your action. Right. Yeah, and and that's with having killed the last minion with like the torch having also been on the last spot. Right. Cause when you kill a minion, the, sp- the torch actually moves back up six spaces. So you buy yourself more time. And so we had, we, we like, we bought ourselves the time to then figure out how, how we were going to get there. And we still had goblins to take care of, which fortunately Richard had learned chain lightning by that point, which took care of the goblin problem pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh that was that was the best uh spell research that i could have done it the the game is 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 pretty good it it and granted we were still learning the game and it so it took us a little longer but i could see it running like if anyone's familiar with uh betrayal at the house of haunted hill it works mechanically very similar to that okay yeah that and sounds interesting yeah because like if you room move into a room where there's like an enemy appears like you your movement stops and you can't do anything until you leave or until you can defeat that enemy um so there could be goblins pop up on the map and now it's like oh well we need to move through that space which means somebody's going to have to go into that room and kill that goblin which is going to stop their movement so but that'll free things up for the next person to move so it does require like the party might be spread out on the map because each player moves through the dungeon independently but you do have to work together to succeed at the game um all the different bosses have like they they have their own different mechanics the monsters have their own mechanics and they act like when you first walk in and you encounter uh, like a monster, you take damage immediately. And then when 
the torch track will hit say hit a spot that says now the monsters do stuff then the monster might like it actually has ai it's like yeah it can move to the ne- the nearest enemy and then punch them in the face or do their attack which might might affect more than just the one person i will say there's a lot of icons to track the back of every character sheet has like a whole glossary of icons cuz they they have to explain the game with as little uh language as possible to fit it on the cards right yeah that was that was probably thing that took the longest was like every time a little new like series of icons popped up we had to like stop and look up what it meant (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i think yeah i think you're right like once once you have a group of people who knows how to play the game and knows the rules it can play i think very quickly setup actually took a, a fair amount of time too because there's like a whole bunch of different decks you have to separate out because there's a treasure deck and a spell deck and a minion deck and a goblin deck and then the dungeon deck has to be split out into certain ways and then stacked up like like put the entrance card on the here and then put the first part of the deck here and the second part of the deck there but yeah so like yeah there's a lot of setup that has to be to be done at first but I think, again, that's another thing that would just get faster with time. There's also an expansion that's available. It adds eight new heroes, two new bosses, some new goblins, um, allows you to do multi-store or like multi-level dungeons, which would be its own level of complication. I haven't looked fully into those rules yet. Um, and also adds quests that give you rewards for doing certain things in like while you're in the dungeon. So there's definitely more room to explore it. We were just using stuff just from the base game, but like it was a fully fleshed out dungeon crawler that really did a good job of ratcheting up the tension and making us think like strategically. And um, like, it's not expensive either. If you like board games and you want something that doesn't take up a ton of space on the ta- like on your shelf, but plays as a fully fleshed out game, um, you can. I got my copy at Barnes and Noble, and actually, if you go to the Gameland game site, which is where um, the the company that sells it, they actually just say buy it at Barnes and Noble. It's a thirty dollar game, which is really good for a, for a complex board game. So, um, if you like dungeon crawlers, if you like, if you like exploring and fighting monsters and having a lots of replay value, because again, there's like eight characters just in the base set. So you're going to have a whole lot of different party combinations. If you like games that you can play solo or with just a couple of players, I highly recommend it. I think it was, I'm glad I picked it up because I think it's a lot of fun. And it's Tiny Epic Dungeons. And uh, yeah, you can find it actually, I think, ex- I don't know if exclusively at Barnes & Noble. I imagine like Tiny Epic Dungeons, it is technically on Amazon, but like it's not available for purchase. It's like it has buying options. So buy the base game at Barnes & Noble. The expansion is on Amazon for about like 15, 16 bucks. And then, like, a lot of the uh, Tiny Epic games. I've got Tiny Epic Vikings, which I actually uh, kickstarted. Um, ti- I've got Tiny Epic Galaxies and the expansion. I have Tiny Epic Quest, which is basically what if Tiny Epic Zelda. Um, <laughs> Tiny Epic Zombies is supposed to be really good. It is a, uh, like, zombicide style survival game. Hmm. I may have to and, check that uh, out. Yeah, that one, you can get that one on Amazon for 22 bucks right now. Cool. 
And it, it is one that has meeples that can hold equipment, has like little plastic equipment that you could put on the meeples. <laughs> but it, and it all takes place inside a shopping mall. So uh, very uh, Dawn of the Dead style gameplay. Right on. So, yeah, the, the entire Tiny Epic series is really good. But Tiny Epic Dungeons, I will explicitly recommend because we played it last night and it was a lot of fun. Yep. Well, I think that wraps up uh, episode, I think, 276 we're on. Um, yes, 276 of uh, the show. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, more, hopefully more details about 10th edition. We'll know, we will know more as Games, Games Workshop rolls out more and we'll find out how compatible, how much we're going to have to relearn how bad Kevin's going to feel about his codexes being his brand new codex being invalidated. You and guard players mm-hmm. you know, together, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, from all of us here at preferred enemies, I'm your host, Rob, Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Uh, good night. Good gaming. And yeah, we've got a new edition on the horizon. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.